0: And welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying the beginning of the basketball season. We are just about a week in, give or take a few days uh, or a day. We started a week ago yesterday or technically a week ago tonight as some teams got off at midnight, and we are certainly rolling. I am your host, Dave McHugh. Hope uh, you will enjoy tonight's show. You can always interact with us on Hoopsville at D3 Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville on your Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville and of course you can email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com that's all scrolling at the bottom of your screen hope you will enjoy it uh we got lots in store tonight an expanded monster show we will go about three hours believe it or not uh, mainly because we don't have a show between uh, officially between now and um uh after thanksgiving um this sunday we will co- i mean at the hoopsville classic which is coming up this week will be or this weekend starting tomorrow we'll talk about that in a bit um, we will be doing a bunch of coach interviews we will compile those as we always do Coach's corner that's essentially going to be this weekend's hoopsville yes a little bit isolated on just the hoopsville classic but nonetheless we'll, you'll have eight interviews there plus if you tune in whatever coverage we provide there as well so Sundays won't be a show but at that time we'll tweet out when we normally do the, the Coach's corner as a reminder to all of you then obviously Thursday is Thanksgiving a week from tonight believe it or not we're already at Thanksgiving so we won't be on the air Thanksgiving we'll be back on the air on the 29th um, of November and we will have um, three four more shows as a result of that before the end of the uh, or five shows before the end of the 2015 portion of the uh, of our, but we'll talk about that further down. So again, we have a lot to pack into these uh, for the next 10 days. We want to preview a few things. Obviously, look back at a few things. Um, so as a result, an expanded Hoopsville. We're stuffing it in like you will a turkey uh, a week before Thanksgiving. Again, on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or using the hashtag Hoopsville. Email address is Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com and join us on Facebook Facebook.com. Slash Hoopsville. Um, Lots of news to talk about. Um, First and foremost, how about them D3 schools beating some D1 schools? Now, technically, we only had one uh, officially defeated D1, but we actually had a few who also did it. Uh, First off, congratulations to Louisiana College. Brand new head coach, and they go out and beat McNeese State 73-70 in a game that counts for everybody. Um so they replace a legendary coach at, at Louisiana College and they win on a last second shot, beating McNeese State seventy-three seventy. There's only oh is it nineteen, I believe, three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, eighteen, nineteen and this is the twentieth time a division three has beaten a division one since nineteen ninety-seven when we've been around with the D three hoops dot com site. Um First one in two years. We might remember Wilmington beat Miami of Ohio two years ago. Um, two years ago on November 23rd. Interestingly enough, Louisiana College beat McNeese State five years to the day that Colorado College beat Air Force in overtime. You might remember Air Force; it was such a big deal that I believe the 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 head of at least the athletic department of Air Force said we will not play a Division three team again. That was their decision on that one. Uh, lots of other ones in there. Navy's in there twice, by the way. Gettysburg nipped them in 2004, and Johns Hopkins beat them in 2002. Um, my alma mater plays them, uh, I believe, um, next week. I got to check when my alma mater, Goucher College, plays uh, Navy. Um, I'm not betting on a win, though my team is off to a 2-1 and start with a big win over Stevenson on Tuesday. Um, but it would be funny if they did. They play uh, Navy uh, on the 22nd, so they'll play them coming up um, on Monday. Um, of course, it, the game's at noon. <laughs> I, I don't... Sorry, it's Sunday. Sunday at noon. So maybe maybe we'll be talking about Goucher beating Navy. Yeah, you never know. Um, but congratulations on the last Louisiana couch. Uh, by the way, followed up last night by Roanoke men beating North Carolina A&T. Here's the problem. North Carolina A&T considered it a real game. Roanoke considered it an exhibition. A little change in the rule this year allows Division 3s to play their two exhibitions whenever they want to, including in the middle of the regular season, beginning of the regular season, whatever. The rule has always existed before November 15th if Division 1 and Division 3 you know, Division One had started their season though this year that didn't happen. Division One started at the same time Division Three did, but sometimes Division One starts about a week in advance. If Division One starts and Division Three hasn't, you could have a game there. Kentucky and Transylvania have done it on a couple occasions where it didn't count for Transylvania because it wasn't in the regular season, but it counted for Kentucky. Well, this is now in the regular season, so that's what happened with Roanoke defeating. Um, uh, North Carolina A&T, Roanoke put up 57 points, I think, at halftime and, and, and put up a, a solid 97, I want to say, for the game uh, to beat North Carolina a and I already gave K- Coach P- Paige Moyer a hard time for making that an exhibition game, um, but nonetheless, uh, a, a congratulations at least for them. It, it is a loss in the loss column. It goes on the loss column for North Carolina A&T. It just doesn't go in the win column for Roanoke uh, on the season, but congratulations Nonetheless, to them, uh, to be sure. Um, I'm trying to find the video. Maybe I'll find it for the end of the show. Wheaton Women's Basketball. Um, You know what? Hold on. I got an email about it. Maybe I'll find it there. Wheaton Women's Basketball uh, defeated uh, or won a game thanks to the new rule. Um, They were able to get a shot off. Um, on, uh, thanks to moving uh, moving the ball up. Oh, I do have it. Hold on. Let's call this up. Um, so, Wheaton um, had uh, the ability in the last minute to move the ball up the court, as you can imagine, um, because of the new rules in, division, in, in women's basketball, and um, hit a game winner as a result of that, thanks to that rule. So, um, I'm trying to just cue it up for you, so hold on. Here we go. Eh, it's a little tight, but it'll do it justice. We'll, 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 we'll at least take the last shot so you can see it from that point of view. Uh, Wheaton, by the way, of Massachusetts, I should point out, um, not Wheaton of Illinois. But here's, here's how that play transpired. This isn't the play we're coming up on. This is the play right now. Point three on the clock, got to move it up 98 feet, and they missed the buzzer, because, so I should say, actually, you know what, I, I may have misdone that, it looks like, um, forgive me, this yeah. I apologize for that, it uh, looks like they actually got the chance to move it up, watch the highlights here, but it looks like they got to move it up uh, ahead of time, I, I, I went to look at these see, they moved it up there, 28 foot mark, and got a shot off before the buzzer, so congratulations to them. that's that new rule in women's basketball. That you can do that um, little twist little craziness uh, obviously not very well cued there whatsoever but any, anyway new rule women's basketball again last minute if you don't advance the ball if you get it off a rebound or off a made shot on a steal whatever and you don't make any attempt to advance it you've got a timeout in your pocket remember women have less timeouts now you can then move the ball up the court to the 28 foot mark as long as you called that timeout um, and that's what they did, took advantage of it and hit a shot there. You'll notice the next team did the exact same thing. 0.3 seconds on the clock, got all the way up at the 28-foot mark, but was unable to make it, get it to fall. Uh, good news we want to bring to you from uh, – well, actually, before we get to that, um, by the way, we we're talking about the Division One games. We'll be talking about it – well, we'll talk about that in a second. Right, let me back up. Uh, want to talk about Washington College quickly. Um, Washington College, men basketball on Tuesday postponed their game, and on Wednesday the women's was postponed. The school has been shut down since Monday. They tried to get classes back up and running on Tuesday, shut it down again, and then yesterday announced that they're not going to have school until after Thanksgiving. A student on their campus, a sophomore, um, was found to have disappeared uh, after coming home. um, And his parents believe grabbing a gun uh, and disappearing. He has apparently had a bit of a rough season or a rough year, uh, kicked out of his fraternity, I believe. Um, I also believe he was um, um, he had left any leadership positions he had had at the school. Um, so obviously a lot of, un, uh, of unsettledness for this sophomore apparently came home and got a, a gun um, according to his parents, his parents called authorities, and they shut down the school for this. Um, to be honest with you, I don't know more than that. Uh, they're not saying more than that. Uh, it's clearly got the school on edge. I've talked to a few people on the campus, and they're certainly a little uneasy about everything going on, understandably so. Um, and as a result, they've shut down. And But we wondered how that would affect um, sporting events. As a result, uh, men's basketball will play their game. I thought they were playing a, a doubleheader, but I could be wrong, or I mean a, a tournament. But they will be playing their game this weekend uh, at uh, Elizabethtown. Um, The men were traveling to play, yep, just one game against Elizabethtown. Women were not playing this weekend, so no effect there. Uh, Off note from basketball swimming, for example, was still participating uh, with their event up at Bryn Mawr. Uh, There is a conference doubleheader coming on the 24th uh, on Tuesday. Last I have seen, no changes there. We'll certainly keep abreast of that. Obviously, scary situation. For all those involved and we wish nothing but the best uh, to Washington College hope this is resolved soon enough they cannot find this guy and he's been missing I think since Monday last I checked on the story um, but classes have been canceled through Thanksgiving break uh, again they're looking for him Jacob Marburger Marburger 19 years old um, uh, we'll, we'll, we can quickly show you this too um, this is the, the, the person they're looking for uh, it is a very scary story, obviously, for Washington College, and we wish them nothing but the best. Uh, we hope this is found uh, and solved soon enough. Clearly, it's affecting the college. I have a feeling there's more information on that they're not releasing, but nonetheless, we wish them the very best. But that was a big news out of Washington College. Back to the Division One thing uh, we'll get to, but I want to also talk about the NABC. Once again, uh, partnered with with uh, hoopsill, as we always talk about. Um, re-up that partnership. We'll talk about it more in the future, but I want to thank a host of people at the NABC, including Paige Moyer, who is currently uh, on the board, along with several others. Gary Stewart uh, as well. I want to thank um, several other individuals who are always involved, uh, even if it's not you know, in front of the scenes, behind the scenes. Um, Mike McGrath at Chicago, uh, Bill Raleigh at Southwestern, um, Charlie Brock at Springfield, to name a few. I know I'm leaving some out. I can see their faces. I can't re- retain their names off the top of my head. But there's been a number of people who have been helpful. I want to thank them. Big re-up here on Hoopsville. It's going to be allow us to uh, travel, believe it or not. We're going to get to, I, I think maybe two sites is my hope. I, I don't know. There's a date in February i got to play with a little bit. But in January, we're going to probably... Possibly be traveling uh, somewhere, and maybe, maybe even December, we may get up to the Wendy's Classic, the last Wendy's Classic. So, want to thank the NABC. More news along those, now along that front, partnerships that we have here at Hoopsville to come. We are working on another partnership. Don't want to jinx it, but we are working on another one, and looking forward to seeing how that can help us uh, as well. And then let's talk about our guests. So tonight, coming up on the show, which we got to get to because we got a ton of content. We will talk to the Women's Basketball Committee Chair, Carrie Carollo. She is the head coach for Wisconsin Whitewater. Um, she'll tell you how she knew she was going to become chairman, uh, chairperson, I should say, despite the fact that Dave uh, Martin had been there the last two years and still technically had two more years on his on his term. Um, but we'll also talk about how Dave Martin's no longer on the committee and the little quirkiness of that. She'll talk to you about what the committee is expecting and talk to you about why they don't do things exactly like the men. Similar but different. And we'll talk to her. Very, very, very in-depth conversation with her. Very forthright as well. I'll also talk to her about the team, the WIAC, and the region as well. Big D1 versus D3 game coming up on November 28th, right after Thanksgiving. LaSalle traveling to Rowan. What? Yeah. D3 school hosting a D1 school. Why? Well, the head coach for LaSalle, John Janini was head coach for Rowan 20 years ago when they won their national championship. We talked to John Giannini from LaSalle. We also talked to um, Joe uh, Cassidy from Rowan. Joe Cassidy was the assistant under John when they won the national championship. I'm going to venture to say this is the first D1 coach we've had ever on Hoopsville, except I was going to say that, except we had some D1 coaches when we were in Atlanta in 2013. Um, so can't say that. First one on our live normal shows, let's put it that way. Um, but John Janini uh, from LaSalle and then Joe Cassidy from Rowan will come on. We'll also talk to Gary Stewart from Stevenson, preview the Hoopsville Classic, also talk about Stevenson and their rough start at 0-2. And then we'll hear from Ryan Scott, regional reporter from the Mid-Atlantic. He's a columnist from the Mid-Atlantic for D3Hoops.com. We go in-depth on the men's side of there. A little longer conversation than I expected, but Ryan kind of talking about the craziness that is the Mid-Atlantic, at least to start the season and allow the question marks that surround it. A jam-packed show. We will go three hours tonight. We are on the air until 10 o'clock tonight. I promise you that. Um, and so look forward to that. Uh, quickly, we'll talk more about the Hoopsville Classic coming up. We'll also tag the show a little bit more, but if you want more information, you can go to Stevenson's website or d3hoops.com. Lots of good games starting tomorrow. We're looking forward to that as well. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Carrie Carollo from Wisconsin Whitewater joins me. Talk about the, uh, D3, uh, talk about the National Committee and everything therein. And we will talk about, um, her team in the region and everything there. Very in-depth conversation, well worth the listen. You're listening to Hoopsville. Presented by D3Hoops.com, and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this.
1: We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade from Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
2: Division III schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA.
3: I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school.
2: I got the Presidential Scholarship, which was huge for me.
3: I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience.
4: Being a Division III athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court.
5: I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader.
2: And the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom.
6: College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built.
7: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. On this Thursday, uh, Hoopsville
0: Classic Eve, as we've been talking about. We'll talk more about the Hoopsville Classic coming up, but if you've got questions for us or our guests, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, last week, we talked to the Men's National Basketball Committee uh, chair, uh, Brian Van Haften from Buena Vista. Uh, talked to him about being the being a A first-year committee chair, though he's been on the committee now for, this will be his fourth year, talk about uh, the expectations on the men's side, some of the intricacies that we always talk about, kind of get you prepared and understood as to what is going on um, with the committee, especially considering the games right now mean just as much as they will in February. You will hear us say that a lot every year, every month, every show almost. So we, we want to talk to both committee chairs, especially considering we seem to, to usually, especially on the men's side, get one every a new one every year. So we wanted to talk to the women's one as well. Interestingly enough, not necessarily what everybody expected when the season ended last year, but we have a new committee chair this year as well. Um, and so we wanted to bring her on. She's certainly familiar with what's going on. Uh, Carrie Carollo from UW-Whitewater uh, is the committee chair, and she certainly has done uh, quite a work, bit of work on the committee, but has been a national Focus for a while. And so uh, Coach Carollo joins me here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville.
8: Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to get the season started.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, yes. Uh, We should point out we are talking on Wednesday. The show airs Thursday. We are pre taping on Wednesday. You actually have your first game, quote unquote, tonight. By the time the show airs, we'll know the result of that. A little bit of, uh, we'll get to the scheduling quirks about that in a bit. But first and foremost, you're uh, the committee chair this year. Um, you've been on the committee. Is this your third year? I can't remember the timing.
8: Yeah, this is my fourth year year. on the National Committee, yes, and then I spent um, four years on the Regional Committee as well.
0: So obviously you're kind of ingrained. Most people probably need to understand that when a committee chair comes and gets that position, they somehow have had years of already experience to the regional and national side. Even Dave Martin last year, coming on literally the first year he was on a women's regional committee, he became national chair, but he had men's experience Uh, at least eight years if not more on the men's side so usually committee chairs have some experience uh, coming into the position did you see this coming did you see this job uh, on the horizon per se with with dave martin and then the fact that all of you wanted dave martin to lead you the last two years
8: yeah yeah i did i mean i think that that's something that we're always talking about is kind of the progression of who's going to step in and and fill that void but um you know dave fulfilled his 2-year requirement and um we have kind of an interesting dynamic in our committee with um a lot of turnover this year so mm-hmm. it was important to have someone as chair that's been on the committee for a while and then um hopefully we can prepare someone new here in the future so um yeah it was uh it was, I kind of saw it coming <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, the interesting thing, too, was Dave was going to stay on the committee as the member of the Atlantic region, being the Mm -hmm. AD at Misericordia. Of course, he then got the job at Scranton as athletics director. He moves about 30 miles northeast and changes regions. Mid-Atlantic already has a representative. So Dave Martin has gone from being committee chair to completely off the committees and even regional committees altogether. Um, Mm -hmm. But I got a sense when I talked to you last week you guys are still going to try and utilize Dave and the experience that he brought to the table and the reason you had him as chair in the first place.
8: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime you can make those kinds of connections. And, um, yes, he's a wealth of knowledge, and he definitely understands, you know, the purpose and, the, you know, what we're trying to accomplish as a committee for the tournament and for the, you know, what's best for the game. And um, so, yeah, we're all going to lean on him a little bit. We might bug him here and there. But, um you know, just having that resource, like I said, and that connection is is very valuable to all of us as committee members.
0: What's really interesting is you guys had Robin Hamilton as committee chair. I want to say three years um, before you know Dave Martin was certainly on there for two. You will only serve one. The men have been with one year committee chairs, probably about five or six years now. I could be wrong, but it certainly feels that way. Are you guys transitioning maybe towards more of that men's model where the committee chair will only serve a year? Granted it's their fourth year on the committee, so they've certainly been on the committee for a while, but I just mean the ever-changing committee chair, or did you guys like the long-term effects?
8: Um, I think that you can have the best with, you know, either scenario. I think, you know, having someone that's been on like Robin was for three years, you know, there's definitely some benefits to that with just her consistency and knowledge base, and, you know, she was, she was very good, you know, as an administrator, and, Um, And then, you know, you have the one-year commitment where, you know, you get a different perspective, which is kind of nice as well. But I think for the women's side, we are trying to stay committed to that two-year term, um, and that's really what we're looking to do in the future. It just kind of landed weird with me only having one year left. Um, and, and me just serving the one year, but I think from this point forward, we're really going to str- try to stay with that two year commitment.
0: I got a sense um, in the last few years there's wanted to be a bit of a tide change, or at least a shift in focus or direction that the committee has been taking in the way either they're communicating with the regions, they're working about national picks, they're working with the brackets, uh, so on and so forth. I got that sense because of the way Dave Martin was brought on as committee chair and the way you talk about the fact you'll use him as a resource. How much has changed in the four years that you've been on this committee?
8: Well, I think the ultimate goal for us always is to make sure that we have the best teams in the tournament. And, um, because of the layout of the different regions, that becomes very challenging. But I think the biggest change that I've noticed is just the, the chemistry between uh, the, the committee members themselves, you know, us really working together um, and, and more of a team, I guess, dynamic than, um, you know, all of us feeling kind of isolated in our regions and, and I guess you could say kind of fighting for our region. Um, so there was much more of that team mentality with Dave and that um, no matter where the teams were coming from, we really wanted just to put together the best tournament with the best teams in the country. And um, and I would say that that's probably the biggest change that I've noticed in my tenure.
0: That's interesting. You talk about fighting for your region, which obviously every regional committee chair is going to do to some extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, every committee ch- wants to put the best teams forward to get as many teams in the tournament. I mean, that's... That's their job to really, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better description, that's their job to do that. Right. Um, But I find it interesting you say that it went away from the, hey, that my team's better to, hey, who are the best teams? Mm -hmm. And understanding that, lo and behold, even if your team is better, your team will still get in. Mm -hmm. But working as a group to understand that seemed to work better.
8: Yeah, it definitely worked better. And I think... The other piece of that is the education part, you know, really educating each other the dynamics and the differences in our regions. And I think that that was something that we were all very open-minded to and that we really wanted to learn more about, you know, how does the South work and why is it really difficult for them to get in region games and, you know, why, you know, the, the whole culture and the dynamic of the West, you know, mm-hmm. that's just a, you know, kind of an enigma in itself. So. Um, you know, just really learning from each other, having an open mind, and you know, like I said, the ultimate goal—you know—all of us coming together and putting forth the best 64 teams that we can come up with.
0: Uh, and then the other thing I know you, you've talked about in the past is getting to understand how to put together the most national bracket you can, while mm-hmm. understanding the limitations and working within, even taking advantage of those limitations to some extent um, yeah. on on the on in the NCA Division III side. How much has the bracketing changed on this committee?
8: Yeah, I think, you know, for us to really try to look at the history of the brackets, um, learn from the things that we've done well, learn from the things that we haven't done so well, and then really trying to see, you know, what are some things that we can do differently, you know, just flip-flopping the region so that the East and the West, and, you know, aren't, or excuse me, the East is not always playing against an East Coast team, say, on the on the Final Four. You know switching those just little things like that um also you know making sure that we try to look at the history of the teams in the tournament you know and making sure that you know let's just say WashU isn't always playing a team you know every single year and this in the same team over and over again year after year you know trying to find um, opportunities for them to see someone different in the tournament and you know like i said before with the way that the regions are laid out that becomes very challenging yeah. Um, but, you know, we want to we have some diversity, you know, and have teams have the opportunity to face different opponents every year instead of the same, you know, the same bracket every single year.
0: Talking to Kerry Carollo, head coach at Wisconsin Whitewater, first-year committee chair. They'll have been on the committee for four years on the national side. Coach, let's talk about some of the details that you hope to accomplish this year with the committee. First and foremost, I ask this of all committee members, uh, committee chairs, I should say, What's the message to the regional committees? What is the message from the national committees down to the regional committees when it comes to understanding the numbers, when it comes to putting their regional rankings together, et cetera?
8: Well, the the main message is always, you know, we have to make sure that we look at the total body of work. Um, That is always going to be a reoccurring message to our our regional committees. And... um, you know really doing the best that we can to stick to the numbers um, there's always going to be subjectivity because that's the nature of the beast um, but you know really try to follow the guidelines from the National Committee and um, be consistent you know be consistent with your rankings each week um, if you you know if you're doing If you're ranking a certain way and and it completely changes the next week, you know, then there's going to be a lot of questions that we're going to have. So um, consistency is going to be very valuable and very important.
0: Are you going to be willing to change rankings if you feel that the the regional committee is not being on that consistency?
8: Well, I think that we try not to do that. We really want to trust our committee that they are knowledgeable and, and more knowledgeable than we are as far as a national committee in the sense that they know their region. Um, so we want to trust that they're doing the right thing, but there's always an educational process. I mean, we have a lot of new national committee members, so it's there may be, you know, our first ranking that is not published is going to be very valuable to us this year because we have a lot of committee members that are, um, you know, just learning. So. Um, We're hoping to use that first week as an opportunity to really kind of get things going and make sure everybody's on the right path, and then hopefully we can continue from there.
0: You said something to me. It's not technically part of the criteria, but uh, understanding that not not everybody has the same opportunities, understanding Mm -hmm. the differences. How, how do you hope to implement that mentality? And you kind of hinted at it, you know, knowing that the South is different than the West, which is different mm-hmm. than the Northeast, which is different, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. how do you hope to implement that when it's not technically a criteria marker?
8: Well, I think it's just a discussion. I mean, it has to be, uh, you know, a conversation that's had, and um you know, and like always, we're always trying to look at all of the criteria that is set in front of us, and then all of the things that factor into that. Um, and that's always going to be something that affects mo- both the men's and the women's basketball bracket is just the location of teams and um, their ability to travel and, you know, the, the financial cost it, it, that it takes for a West Coast team to travel and play more ranked teams. You know, those are things that are just part of the discussion. It's not, um, you know, going to have a heavy impact one way or the other, but it's definitely part of the discussion.
0: You and I were talking last week, uh, just chatting on the phone. One of the things you had mentioned to me was not comparing home and away. And I realize that my note doesn't give away all the information there and it maybe sends us down the wrong direction. But what do you mean when you look at a schedule and you do look at home and away games? What are you trying not to do? And what are you trying to do?
8: Well, I think it's kind of the same as, you know, when we're looking at teams in different regions. I mean, I don't I don't, we cannot weigh, you know, a home and away game differently than, you know, any other game. So we have to make sure that, like I said, we're very consistent in that we stick to our criteria. um, And, you know, home and away is not one of our criteria. So we we can't um, consider that. It may be part of the discussion, but it's not going to be a determining factor when we come up with our end results.
0: Um, one of the things that I find interesting is the NCAA statistics guys have come out with something that the men, I won't say, have bought into. I think they fully understand how it works and use it to some degree. I think they also understand it's not perfect. But the .03 SOS difference equaling about two games on the schedule. So if you have two teams that are .03 apart in the SOS and one team's 16-4, and four, the other team is 14-2, and two, Essentially, the men's team would say, you know what, that's kind of a wash. If we flop mm-hmm. the SOS's, the records should probably be the same. We're not going to really ding them on that. We think that's an equal number, and we're going to move on to something else. You're telling me, though, that you're not buying into that number as much or that diff- or that uh, formula, I should say, as much as maybe the men are, and that could be a difference when we come, come time to selection time or ranking time to understand how the two committees are maybe working a little bit differently.
8: Yeah, you know, I think um – there's always going to be some way to measure, you know, from a statistical standpoint, but um, again, I go back to the criteria. It's, you know, we we have to make sure that we look at the total body of work sure, and we stick to our criteria. Um, and then, you know, we can look at some numbers, 0.03, like you said, is a, is a good number to kind of work from. Um, and we, we do use it a little bit, but Again, we go back to the criteria, the total body of work. Um, We don't use it like the men do, like you said, as an end-all, be-all, but it is thrown around. I mean, it is a number that we talk about and that we use here and there, Um, but it's not uh, the end end-all for us. Uh, we, yeah. we, Like I said, we have to look at look at all the criteria and make sure we look at the total body.
7: Yeah, to
0: be fair to the men, I don't think they use it as an end-all either. I think they just um, they use it as a way of saying, okay, we understand the difference between the record mm-hmm. and the SOS a little bit better and they certainly rely on it as a measuring stick. And mm-hmm. I should point out too, again, I say this all the time, just because .03 equals two games doesn't mean the men extrapolate out and say .06 equals four and .09 right, equals right, six. Right. I think right. I've gathered from you and I've gathered from many other committee chairs that that's a bit of a of a curve that they don't understand after a certain point, and so you don't want to just, you know, make it equal. Right. Um One thing we you kind of hinted at a little bit, um, and I know we've talked about in the past. I know it's a hot topic when it comes to transparency in division three is regional rankings at the very end of the season. We obviously see three, obviously you have a practice one we should point out, which is yeah. always good. Uh, we don't need to see the practice one, um, but you know, you then have three posted publicly. And then the final one, which is helps you basically select the teams and essentially bracket the tournament, mm-hmm. not released. Now the men are very much for releasing that data. They feel that, that it's, it helps answer questions. It helps uh Teams understand where they finished if they have questions and why they finished there. Uh, Except I know a majority of the committees in Division three in general do not. That's why they are not published. It is a vote up to the committee chairs. And to be honest with you, a little surprised when you and I talked that you said the women's basketball team or committee is not for releasing that information. Can you give us a kind of a background on that?
8: Yeah, I think um, the reason that we are not is because uh, we have a criteria that is once ranked always ranked, and um, we used, used to, to have, have that. that. Yeah. Yes, used to have that criteria, and which made everything a little bit clearer for everyone, um, including the committee. Um, but now we do not have that. Now you can fluctuate in your rankings week to week. Um, which, since that is a category that we look at, can really affect where teams end up in that final week. And so as a committee, we, and with our NCA liaison, we all discussed this over and over again, um, that we did not feel like we needed to publish that last um, ranking because of that.
0: Can I just be a devil's advocate? Maybe this is is probably come up in conversation. But I almost feel like if you release the information, people will then understand, oh, that was my results versus regionally ranked opponents. I see now why I am fifth versus not releasing, they're going you know what? i wonder what my results versus region ranked was because i don't know where i finished i don't know where team a team b team c and team d were did team e fall off the list did they come on the list it's almost like you're leaving that up to a lot of interpretation that doesn't seem to be understood that if you released it you answer it everyone goes oh okay so they took team e off the list yeah i'm gonna lose two games that way
8: Right, and I think it's also a timing factor that's involved. I mean, we, we literally do the rankings, that final ranking, right before we bracket. Yes. So I think that that well, was right the Well, right before other, you select,
0: you mean.
8: Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, right before we select. So that is another reason why we didn't feel like it was really necessary is just because of the timing of everything. I mean, it's all done at once.
0: Well, we certainly don't need it released before you release the information. We just mean after the fact. I mean, if you want to release the bracket and then an hour later release the information so everybody can Mm -hmm. kind of see where everybody finished, that's fine. We're certainly not looking for you guys to give away the bracket Mm -hmm. (laughs) in any way. I know you want some surprise there. I'm just saying from a coach's point of view who doesn't know why they may have been left out, Mm -hmm. you know, you talk about the question of that. Wait, wait, wait. What is my result versus regionally? It just seems like, hey, here it is. That's Mm -hmm. where it is. Mm
8: -hmm. That's our numbers. Yeah, and it's something that we will continue to talk about. I mean, we are always um, evolving as a committee. And as you can see, now the men are thinking that it is a good idea. So, um, you know, it's something that we'll continue to talk about. But at this time and this year, we will not be posting those.
0: Curiosity, uh, the men have an incredible relationship with the NABC, the National Association Mm -hmm. of Basketball Coaches. And I have a feeling, my theories I've explained to you before, is that The committees who are for releasing the information have incredible relationships with their coaching committees and that the uh, coaching uh, community and coaching group and that that coaching group tends to be a conversational factor. So the NABC and the National Committee are always having conversations. I see them taking place i know they're taking place and if a coach has a problem they can go through the nabc to get that solved or adjusted or fixed in the future and it's a constant you know grow a living thing if if it Mm -hmm. makes any sense yes
7: Mm -hmm. but
0: the wbca relationship especially in division three in my opinion seems to be lacking now i will say this in preface this by saying Things are changing, and we Mm -hmm. clearly see that. We're seeing that even here on Hoopsville, which we'll be talking about in the future. But Mm -hmm. I I sense that there isn't as strong a relationship. And so sometimes you might get criticism straight from a coach who has no idea truly what's going on and isn't working with the WBCA, and even the WBCA doesn't truly understand what's going on. Is strengthening that relationship maybe something that can help not only you guys as a committee but give you a little bit less angst about releasing data?
8: Um, I don't know if it'll give us, um, you know, more of an avenue to, to release data, but
7: sure.
8: um, we definitely are working hard, and I know the WBCA is as well to um, to create a better relationship between the two. And I know with our new CEO Danielle Donahue, she has um, been just a tremendous advocate already for Division Three women's basketball. Mm-hmm. So. Um, we are really excited about the changes um, and the relationship that I think is going to change between um, the WBCA and the NCAA. So, um, you know, it's only going to get better. And, and I agree. I think that um, there's a, there has been a little bit of a disconnect in the past um, with our Division three coaches really um, committing to the WBCA. Um, so I think that now with the the final site this year being all divisions together in Indianapolis. I think that that is a great way um, to start mending some of those relationships and really bring all of us together as as one, you know, and not really separate, you know, and look at Division One, Two, II, and Three as you know three different kind of entities in them in, in themselves, and really look at all of us um, together as, as a unit. So. Um, We're looking forward to that opportunity and and for that relationship to continue to grow. And if it creates an opportunity for our coaches to get information, that is definitely um, something that we want as a national committee. Um, For our coaches to continue to educate themselves about the process and how to get um, their teams in a position where they can Mm -hmm. be considered. Um, All of that, I think, is something that we have not done a good job of and we have to do a better job of. Um, and that is through that educational process, not only with the WBCA, but within our own um, committee members as well, and making sure that our committee members are doing a great job of educating. Um, their coaches in their regions as well
0: yeah definitely that's where you see the nabc making a difference and i agree i love to see that from the wbca um i know we've taken a lot of your time still want to talk about your team we'll take that after a break but i got a couple quick questions regarding this year you made a terrific segue for me talking about the championships in indianapolis uh we should mention the ncaa tournament on the women's side is pretty much going to be identical how it's normally held until we mm-hmm. get to the semifinals first and foremost. Champ, those semifinals we played at Capitol this year, just those games, and then obviously 15 days later, 16 days later, we play the championship in Indianapolis. Let me go back to Capital first. Everything I've gotten un, under the impression is this semifinal will be conducted like any other championship weekend is conducted. There will be community service. There's going to be a championship dinner. There's going to be a big hoopla. I know Webstream will be doing or NCAA.com is going to be doing the two semifinals. Is that a correct assumption on all the rest
8: yes that is absolutely correct we want to make sure that those four teams feel like it is exactly like a final four site even though it's not technically mm-hmm. called the final four site yeah i mean there's banners um,
0: made up for them, so that's good i mean yeah, capital's yeah. on there
8: <laughs> yeah yeah capital is going to do a fantastic job um dixie jeffers the head coach of yeah. capital was also a national committee member and yeah. Um, so she knows. She knows what it's like. She's won two national championships herself. Um, so she is going to put on a fantastic um, event for these student athletes and their coaches. And um, I think that it's going to be tremendous for these student athletes to have an opportunity to not only have a semifinal site, um, but also have the opportunity to be a part of all of the um, final four site with Division One and Two. Um, we will. They will also be included in all of the um, banquets and everything, along with all the Division One and Two student-athletes. And then we're still not set on a time for our games on Monday, um, for Division <laughs> Two and Three. Nice
0: segue again, Coach.
8: Yeah, we're trying to figure out. We're trying to figure out. You know, what is the best case scenario with obviously the men's championship being that evening. Yeah. Um, you know, with I know for sure that Division Two is going to play first. We're just not sure um what time those games are going to occur
0: well and you talk about that and obviously the game will be played on a Monday again men <coughs> in division one play Saturday um Monday and women mm-hmm. play <coughs> excuse me Sunday Tuesday right. um, and I know when you and I talked and I know it's already been a concern a Monday game um beginning of April uh, granted it's in the same location as the women's final four Granted, it's on the same floor, which is different than the d th- the the 2013 Atlanta experience where D2 and D3 played on a different floor, but really not to any d- detriment. It was right next door in a mm-hmm. perfectly suitable arena. 10,000 people showed up. But that game being on a Monday, that game right. possibly, I mean, Mondays just in a general sense <clears> are <throat> a, not the greatest day to play a sporting event. It's not like Monday Night Football is the best thing in the world compared to Sunday Night Football. Right. Um, how concerned are you that that game, as great as it is in Indianapolis, is still going to get lost?
8: Yeah, you know, that is definitely a concern, but I think um, I think the city of Indianapolis is going to do a great job. I mean, they really are um, very supportive, obviously, yes. of, of basketball and, yes. um, and, and other sports. But, you and know, the NCAA. <laughs> yeah, and the NCAA, obviously, is there, so we'll get a lot of their support, but... Um, I think the WBCA has done a tremendous job, really promoting, not only getting the college coaches to come, the Division One, yeah. Two, and Three college coaches to come, but also to bring their teams. You know, I think they've done a great job, really promoting it, and I know they've um, had some promotional things for Division Three coaches specifically, um, with giving us a little bit less of a rate you know as far as um, housing and things like that yeah so they are really making a push to really draw a lot of division three coaches and division two coaches to the event which like I said before is really hopefully going to bring us all together and um, give us an opportunity to really show that the WBCA cares about all three divisions and is really invested I guess they've always cared don't get me wrong. No, I know really what you mean. Invested. Yeah, yeah I guess invested is well, probably some, the better word. And
0: sometimes the D1, as we know in the rules book, you know, it it flows from the top down. And sometimes even if D3 yep. is the biggest, doesn't mean it gets the best. And so correct. Yep. Um, well, I appreciate you talking about this. We I, I want to talk about your team. We're taking a lot of time, so I want to get to that. We'll take a quick break here and then get your uh, talk about your team, the conference, and the final word. Um, but obviously, the idea is to get to Indianapolis. Obviously, the idea is to make Division Three women's basketball better. I'm sure you're looking forward to this year.
8: I am. I'm really, I'm really pleased that I have the opportunity to be the chair this, this particular year um, because of all of the events and the changes. But um, we're always working hard to make this game better. And you know, any way that I can give back to the game that has given me so much, um, I'm excited to do it.
0: Very good. Well, well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about your team and we'll talk about your region quickly um, and et cetera. Thanks uh, so far for joining us here on Hoopsville. Coach Carrie Carolla on the Hoopsville Hotline will join us after the break, as we said, talk about the team, talk about the WIAC, talk about the region, uh, get her perspective on that. Obviously, she is, she is the region chair as well, being the national committee chair. So we'll talk to her coming up. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this.
2: Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA.
3: I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school.
2: I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me.
3: I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience.
4: Being a Division three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court.
3: I'm also
5: the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader.
2: And the end of the day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom.
0: Com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, in the middle of having a conversation with Carrie Carollo, the head coach for Wisconsin Whitewater, just talked to her as a committee chair, talked to her about the committee and all the elements about that. Of course, the championship. should point out really quickly the consolation game that the women's basketball still has will not happen this year. The two semifinal games will happen at Capitol. That's it. Champions, uh, the winners of those games move on to Indianapolis and will play a championship game in Indianapolis 16 days later. That's it. No consolation game there's talk about all-star games and all that stuff in the future but this year none of that will happen all that stuff will reemerge in the future but let's get back to um the what the uh, central region coach carrie carrillo obviously the chair of the central region committee but she's also the head coach of whitewater so we want to bring her back on the hoopsville hotline to talk about her team coach thanks for joining me once again yes
8: absolutely i'm glad to be here
0: uh, I would argue you didn't exactly have the season you were hoping for last season. Uh, 20 win seasons since 2008 nonstop, 27 and 5 in 2014. Uh, then last year it just it just didn't come together necessarily. 13 and 13 overall eight and eight in the WyAC. I know you, I've seen you on the sideline. I've seen you at the hoop, D3 hoops classic <laughs> when things are not going well. I can't imagine what the last season was like for you.
8: Yeah, it was a challenge. I will say that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, good 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 word of use. <laughs>
8: um, you know, I think as a coach, you know, you you learn every day. I mean, every day, every year is is a different um a different challenge and I and and I'm always learning and trying to evolve and something I learned from last year is that we should never have a year where we don't have a solid recruiting class. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow then, okay. We, we, we had one year um, that we decided that we were gonna only bring in two or three kids. Uh oh. And <laughs> we learned from that. We learned yeah. the hard way, you know, and um, so that's something that we, we will never do again. It's <laughs> it's something that we look back on and we're like, that was a mistake and that was not a good plan. and. Um, so what in turn, in the, in the long run, what happened is then we end up with no senior class. Sure. And when you don't have a senior class, as all coaches know, um, and have that leadership and have, you know, just that good core um, sense of urgency that, you know, and those, those seniors always have, um, you're going to have a tough year. And, you know, even though we had a lot of talent last year, when you don't have game experience and you don't have leadership, it is going to be tough. And um, we lost one of our best players halfway through the year, um, which made it even more challenging. But, you know, I will say this. We had a very resilient group. We had a group that really wanted to get better. We had a group that was very disappointed in their outcome of their season. Um, And they really used that to catapult them and really move them forward through the summer and really make sure that they had a great summer. So... If we could do that through, you know, a 500 season, and really, you know, set the tone for this year, um, I can live with that. But uh, as you know, I mean, as any coach, <laughs> when you win 20 plus games a year, yeah. and then you have a year like we had last year, it is it is challenging for everyone.
0: Well, we said 2008. I mean, you were 29 and four that year. The year before, you were 19 and seven. You're still up at that echelon. And and listen, you might have had a tough class with no seniors, but you also loaded the heck out of your schedule last year. You played yeah. Chicago, and granted that that win early on didn't look, you know, that spectacular. Eighteen points, but Chicago ended up being a really good team last year and just missed out on the yeah. NCAA tournament. You played a decent Elmer squad. You played George Fox and DePaul. You played <laughs> Illinois Wesleyan. Uh, you threw Wheaton in there for good measure. Uh, the rest of it was Illinois Tech, Dubuque, and Bethany Lutheran. On top of the fact that you're playing in conference, and the WIAC is certainly always tough, mm-hmm. um, you, you, you doubled down on, on headaches last year. Um, yeah. And it made it tough. You had a, a you know a stretch there where you lost five of six and, and six of nine. Um, mm-hmm. And that was tough to build from. This year, I noticed on the schedule, you still have some tough opponents. You still have the Illinois Wesleyans. You still have uh, University of New England, for example. Uh, Edgewood is still in that schedule. Oh, but you you also seem to maybe dial down the rigidity of that schedule a little bit.
8: Yeah, we definitely did. I mean, we uh, when we came up with that schedule, we did not know who we were going to be playing in the Wisconsin Lutheran Tournament sure, until, right. I believe, it was late August. That's so, when you go, oops. Correct. <laughs> 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 and, you know, when you're in that situation you're like all right do we try to make a change or are we going to show this team what it takes to be the best of the best yeah and we may take our lumps but we are going to play hard we're going to compete and we're going to show this young group um you know what a really great team is like and you know all, george fox DePa, i mean all those programs <laughs> are consistently top teams in the country, and. You know, we battled. I, I won't say that we were ever in those games. I mean, we were up at halftime against the Paw, but um, you know, we were just trying to figure things out and you know, my my attitude has always been is, you know, let's see what we can do against these teams so that our women know when they get ready to work hard in the off season that that's what they're working hard to um to earn is the opportunity to play a team like that again and then eventually beat a team like that. So, um, you know, I I guess looking back, I don't think I would change a thing. Um, I know it was tough for us mentally and and for our team, but... Um, I know the women in our, on our team now are thankful for that opportunity and, and now know what it takes to be one of the best teams in the country. And so they're ready for that challenge. So I'm excited to see what they can do this year.
0: You talk about the fact you didn't lose anybody from this team. You look at the stats from last year, and it's not like anybody jumps off the page. And by the way, we should be talking, mentioning the fact we are talking on Wednesday here prior to your first game of the season. But, you know, no one jumps out. Yes, you have a couple double-point scores, but it's 10.7 from Abby Reeves. Uh, mm-hmm. who's a, a senior this year and Brooke Truin has ten points a game. She is a what is it, sophomore this year? Did I read that? Yep. Or did I flip? Yeah, okay. Um, yep. yeah, I mean, so you've got a lot of depth, but you don't score a lot of points. Last year you averaged six, 65.5 points while allowing a little over almost sixty-four points a game. There's nothing that jumps out. So what is it about this team or what should people be watching on this team that's gonna give us a better understanding of how good everybody is or uh, how good you're playing?
8: Well, I think that's, mm-hmm. that's just it, is we don't have one star. I think that we have a great dynamic of a lot of different players that can do a lot of different things. And, um, you know, we have always preached in our program, you know, that we never want one star. We want to be balanced. We want to be able to, you know, attack you from the perimeter. We want to be able to attack you in the post. We want to have some quickness. We want to have some size you know, so that we're not one-dimensional. And um, we don't want teams to be able to key on one player. Um, we want them to have to guard everybody and that one night it might be Abby and the other night it might be Lisa Palmer. You know, it might be someone else. So I think that that's the great thing about this group is that, um, you know, one player doesn't have to feel like they have to do it all. And, um, and they're playing really well together. And that, that's something that we struggled with last year is what is... You know who's going to do what and what are who's good at what. You know they didn't really even know how to play, play together and and share the ball and um, you know communicate on defense. All those little things that you have to do to be a great team and um, and so we're starting to gel. I mean, like we said, I have we haven't played yet, so um, I, so we'll see we'll see here uh, tomorrow night and or tonight and um, see what happens, but. Um you know, a balanced attack is, is hard to defend, and that's, that's what we're trying to do.
0: Yeah, again, we're talking here on Wednesday. Obviously, we air the show on Thursday, but sometimes you get the coaches when you can, and they have their first game against Lakeland coming up uh, in between. We'll obviously have the result by the time we hit the air. Um, Coach, what do you expect of this conference? You're predicted to finish second. Oshkosh is predicted to finish first. Um, this is certainly a, a challenging conference, as it were um superior was on top last year of course they leave the conference this year they are gone um into a new conference themselves which leaves Oshkosh who finished second in Eau Claire Plattville, Stevens Point you've got some good coaches and some good battles mm-hmm. ahead of you but what do you think it says when when everybody thinks Oshkosh is going to win it and you're going to finish second
8: well I think it just says a lot about you know the job that Brad has done at Oshkosh I mean he's yeah. done a really nice job building that program and um you know for him to uh to turn it around as quickly as he did is is phenomenal. I mean, he's done just a fantastic job. So, um, and, and so that's the credit to him and, and his team. And you know, I think preseason rankings are great for you know promotional. You dragged things, the great but, there, coach. <laughs> yeah, for you know for promotion and <laughs> and respect and you know all of those things, but um you know our conference is a grind as you know and it doesn't matter if you're preseason picked one or you know preseason picked eight you you got to come to play and um all the coaches in our conference are are great coaches and i think that that's what makes our conference so strong is that um you've got you know coach thomas at stout and and coach egner at stevens point who are the veterans of our conference that have been you know in the league for almost 30 years now So, so um, and then you've got the new guys that are, you know, the Megan Wilsons and um, Brad Fisher and, you know, that yep. are up and coming and doing great things with their programs. So, um, you know, we really have to have a great non-conference schedule to prepare us to try to see, you know, everything, every kind of defense, every kind of offense that we can see um, from the non-conference teams that we play so that it then in turn can prepare us for conference. But. Um, It is going to be strange not having Superior in the conference, and and Don Mulhern did a fantastic job with that program. I mean, it is not easy to recruit to UW-Superior just because of the location and it being pretty remote, Um, but he's done a great job, and I know he's sad to not be in the conference anymore, but... Um, he'll he'll do a great job where he's at now and I'm sure we'll be seeing them on the national scene here this year.
0: I was going to say, how much of a difference does that make? You don't have two games now in conference. Uh, you don't have the long trip to the northern part of the state uh, to necessarily worry about um, once a year for guaranteed. Um, you have two extra games you now have to find in your out-of-conference schedule. How much of a difference is this year?
8: It, it is very challenging to schedule, um, to be honest. We uh, We don't have any conference games in December, um, which is very different for us. Usually we would have at least two and possibly three. Um, So when we're looking at non-conference games, um, really the CCIW has eight, well now nine, they added Carroll University Mm -hmm. teams in their conference. Mm -hmm. So we look to them a lot. We look to the um, Iowa conference because they only have eight teams in their conference. But then you look at all the Wisconsin Um, Conferences and most of them have, you know, ten or twelve. So it's very difficult to find a local, in-region, you know, not having to fly somewhere um, game because everyone is full. So it becomes very challenging from a from a scheduling standpoint. So you're what you're going to see from our conference is a lot of teams playing in a lot of tournaments. Sure. Um, Just to get, you know, a two for one, and then we've got some coaches that are you know, pairing up and then playing two teams from the CCIW or two teams from, um, you know, the the Iowa conference. So, um, but it is challenging to schedule, I, I will admit, um, and it is, you know, unfortunate that we don't have that other conference team, which was a very good conference team um, to help with our strength of schedule. but um you know we'll we'll figure it out and our coaches are very resilient and very crafty i guess you could say with <laughs> with how they um you know pull their schedule you, know, you can always
0: you can always play them if you want to
8: yeah yeah definitely <laughs> I, I don't know if i want to drive that <laughs> <I'm>, far
0: <laughs> yeah there's there's some drawbacks the, the the length for you guys is is pretty enormous and the uh yeah. and the fact that they're a really good team certainly plays into the to that as well well, yeah. What do you think of this region, though? I mean, it, this is a central region that's always lock stock. Uh, it is always tough. I mean, you got the CCIWs, as you point out. You've got some other ones in the area that are certainly tough teams. Obviously, the Chicagos and the Wash from the UAA mm-hmm. and, uh, and and others. I mean, we shouldn't – you know, other conferences certainly put up some good opponents. This is going to be a yeah. tough region yet again this year.
8: Yeah, it really is. Um, and, it's. you know, it's interesting to see how – the different conferences have kind of evolved and mm-hmm. changed. You know, like the CCIW, yeah. you see a lot of changes happening there with um, North Central having a great year last year yep. and them come kind of coming to the top. And um, But, you know, WashU is always very good, and, and Coach Fahey, and I just <laughs> enjoy watching her team play and how hard they play. And, you know, I think Carissa's done a great job at Chicago. She's really got things going there. And um, But, yeah, our, our region is always very strong, always – um, is, you know, at, through the tournament does very well. Um, so we're we're really happy with where we're at. And, you know, I think we would like to see our region put forth more teams in the tournament. I think sure. we've been a little disappointed the last couple of years, to be honest with you, and how many teams from our region have actually got into the tournament. Um, so that's something that we, you know, we continue to work hard to, you know, fight our battle in that you know, we have a strong region, so our records may not be as great as some of the other regions, but we are playing really quality competition. So um, that is that is always going to be a battle that we're going to have
7: <laughs> Well, we, every year. <laughs> yeah,
0: we can certainly appreciate that. Uh, I also appreciate how much time you gave us here on this show. Uh, it was certainly yeah. more than expected, but I enjoyed the conversation on the national side and on your team. Looking forward to seeing how uh, the Warhawks do this season, of course, in a tough WIAC and, of course, a tough Central region. Of course, we always would love to see you back at the D3Hoops.com Classic in Vegas, uh, even if you don't want to see us give you matchups like you got at uh, Wisconsin Lutheran uh, last year. But nonetheless, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in?
8: Well, I just want to say thanks to you guys. I mean, we really appreciate your support of women's basketball and Division III sports in general. I mean, it's great to see um, in my 10 years, you know, here, 14 years now at Whitewater, it's really evolved. And um, it's great to see that, you know, the national attention that we get, you know, with D3hoops.com, it's been phenomenal. So we appreciate your support, and we're going to continue to work hard to share with you all the as much information as we can um you know but (laughs) i heard the asterisk on that (laughs) yeah we really uh we really enjoy the relationship with you guys and and appreciate you know sending our message you know that this is great basketball it's fun to watch and Um, and to be a part of and so you know the more that you all can continue to send that message we we really appreciate it
7: well
0: thank you coach i appreciate the kind words look forward to chatting with you uh later in the year obviously more committee related but certainly hopefully team related as well and uh take care and obviously we're again talking on wednesday so good luck in your first game and good luck the rest of the season
8: Thanks, Dave. Thanks so much. And yeah, I look forward to talking to you again
0: soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Coach Kerry Carollo from Wisconsin Whitewater. Uh, Again, uh, pre-taped interview in case you're trying to figure out the timing. Appreciate her taking the time, a lot of time to join us and chat. We'll look forward to more later. When we come back, we'll slide. We got a couple previews to give you. One, a big D1 game against a D3 school being played at a D3 school. That's a little strange. Yeah, LaSalle versus Rowan. We'll preview that. It's coming up in a little bit, but this is the best chance to talk about it also preview the big upcoming Hoopsville Classic. That's all coming up here on Hoopsville. You listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Don't forget, you can interact with us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. It's all scrolling at the bottom of your screen. More Hoopsville when we come back.
2: allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to.
3: There's a lot of interaction. Um, It's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major.
4: Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus.
3: Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show, our second Thursday show of the season. Just a reminder, we'll be on the air for the most part on Thursdays and Sundays, the rest of the season. However, this Sunday, we will not be live on the air. Following the Hoopsville Classic, we will be doing a number of interviews at the Hoopsville Classic as we always do. We will make that our unofficial show, the Hoopsville Coaches Corner. So tune in for more information on that for Sunday. So we're basically going to take about 10 days off here because obviously we will not be on the air for Thanksgiving. We'll be back on the air uh, at the end of November. the 29th, to be specific, um, moving forward from there. So uh, a little bit of a break because of the holidays and the craziness of the Hoopsville Classic. But that 10-day break was going to happen no matter what. Um, so just a heads up on on all of that. Uh, I want to thank Carrie Carillo for joining us from the Women's Basketball Committee in Wisconsin. Whitewater certainly appreciate her taking the time to do that in the previous segment. Now we're going to talk about a great event coming up. In Division Three, we are used to Division Three teams playing Division I game, teams. It's either an exhibition game for one or both parties. Uh, it always takes place at a Division One site. We're very used to those. Heck, uh, Louisiana College just beat McNeese State on Tuesday. It is something that um, happens rarely, but it certainly happens, and certainly we get some good games nonetheless. There's a game coming up that's a little bit different. It's Rowan versus LaSalle, but it's at Rowan this time, and it's for a major event celebrating Rowan's 20th anniversary of their national championship back in 1996. Those involved in the 96 championship have colluded and gotten together to pull this off. We're going to talk to both of those primarily involved, Rowan's head coach and LaSalle's head coach, all here coming up on the show. But we're going to start uh, with Rowan's head coach. First and foremost, again, Rowan will be taking on LaSalle at Rowan on November 28th. Game time is 3 o'clock. And joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach for Rowan, Joe Cassidy. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir.
9: Thank you very much, Dave. Glad to be here.
0: I appreciate you taking the time. First and foremost, uh, we should point out that you were part of the Rowan squad that won the national championship in 96. You were the assistant under Coach Giannini. Um, So this is certainly something you're really familiar with. It's not like a cold call out of the blue from a D1 coach who wants to play you. Um, But on the flip side of that, uh, we are 20 years almost removed from that event. Um, this is kind of a neat way of celebrating it.
9: Yes, it really is, and and the fact you brought up the uh, you know the fact that they're coming here uh, makes it even more special uh, and makes it more unique. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know when the last time a D one went to a D three. Yeah. Uh, You know, but it's certainly it's nothing that I ever remember happening at all. So that part of it is very unique. But uh, you know, just to get the the, the, the whole thing together, uh, you know, I, I give all the credit to Coach Genini. I mean, it was John it was John's idea uh, in the first place and then when he proposed to you know the possibility of the game being played here uh you know i just thought that you know that, that was making it a very unique situation and then our you know we we had discussed it back and forth whether to play here whether to play there and, and uh you know we present to our administration they definitely wanted it to be here if, if that could happen so, Sure. uh you know it's a great it's a, it, it's it should be a fun day
0: we'll talk to coach Janini coming up about what it was like to make the phone call and your reaction but what was your reaction from your point of view when he called up to say, "Hey, I got an idea. I want to play at your place." Blah 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 blah
9: blah. Well, at first I was shocked. I mean, it, you know, I mean John and I've maintained our friendship over yeah. the years, you know, since he's left here and you know, we 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 do spend some time together in the off season, that kind of thing. But uh, when he first proposed it, you know, I mean, my my initial reaction was one of almost shock, but it was one of almost like, oh yeah, definitely, I'll, yeah, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, then you know, the question was just finding the date, and then the other question was, you know, rearranging uh, our schedule to to accommodate their schedule. So, uh, you know, but you know, that 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 part was the least of our problems. I mean, just the fact that we got the opportunity is something that we needed to jump on and take advantage of.
0: Um, it's not like you're gonna be playing in a D1 facility. I mean yours is a nice facility and all but it doesn't seat as money as a D1 program does. So that's a unique venture. You're also getting to play at home on your rims on your court, your environment, etc. Uh, certainly some added bonuses there, but it's truly to celebrate this national championship that you guys pulled off in 1996. How much does that championship championship still resonate on the campus?
9: Well, I, I don't think it resonates at all with the with the current student body. I think it resonates with the older alums and the faculty and the people that were part of the you know the campus back in those days. Uh, I think those people will have it as a, you know be more of a special day for those kind of people. And then after after the game, we're, we're going to have a banquet on campus to to celebrate the you know the anniversary and you know all the all, all the players on that team. Uh, have, have told me they are coming back uh, with the exception of one. One player is lives in Lithuania, so he will he will not be making the trip back from Lithuania, but I expect uh, every other player, every other member of the coaching staff, and a ton of the people that were involved with the program at that time coming back and celebrating. And it, it should be a lot of fun. it be a lot of fun to see some of those guys which we haven't seen some in, in, in quite a few years.
0: I was going to say that is certainly an, a unique opportunity as well to get that team back together. Yeah, I can understand a guy from Lithuania maybe not being able to get back to the <laughs> (laughs) to the States for that game on the, on the other side of that, you know, you've been the head coach ever since um, coach Danini left uh, to go on to division one. So you've been there the entire time during his uh, tenure, when you were an assistant coach and now as a head coach, how much has changed since that 96 championship?
9: Well, the biggest change is the changes on campus. Uh, I mean, our campus has more than doubled its size uh, since 96 and you know we've we've added numerous buildings more academic buildings uh we've raised the academic standings we've raised the academic profile uh you know that's actually 96 was the first year or, you know the 96 97 school year was the first year that we had added the engineering college yeah. uh, and that certainly has brought a lot of prestige to the university so yeah the changes the changes around here have, have been massive over the last 20 years massive is the only way to describe it like i said we've more than doubled the size of the school
0: Sure. Um, let's talk about that championship year. Uh, pretty incredible uh, run through the tournament. You guys defeated uh, York of New York uh, rather handily, 130 to 66. Uh, defeated New Jersey City, 102 uh, 83. You then beat Williams, 85 77. Stockton, 98 70. You beat Illinois Wesleyan before going on to beat uh, in the semis before going on to beat Hope, 193. Certainly had a high powered, high octane offense. Uh, those teams had, finished the season 28-4. and Though this was back during the tournament days when it was very regional. I mean, you saw nothing but um, basically Atlantic region opponents in, in York and New Jersey City um, before you know, Williams was the offshoot of that, before then beating Stockton and before getting to Salem to finally get a chance at somebody outside of necessarily the East Coast. Very different way than we do it nowadays, though similar, though similar.
9: Right. Well, one of the things with that year, we end up, like you said, we end up 28-4, and which is 32 games we end up playing New Jersey City four times that year. We played yeah. Stockton four times that year. So that was eight of our 32 games yeah. were against those two teams. Yeah. Which was not an easy thing to do. No. Playing you know, that quality team repeatedly.
0: Yeah, that happens uh, certainly a lot in Division Three. You don't see it as much, but it, it was nice that at least it was in the second uh, weekend, at least for Stockton. It was in the second right. t- round for New Jersey City. And obviously the NJAC, this was back in the heyday of the NJAC.
9: Yeah, the NJAC um, was, was unbelievably competitive back then.
0: Yeah, I mean, talk about a difference. Now, certainly I think the NJAC is coming back now, but we've gone through a bit of a lull recently where the NJAC hasn't been as much in the national conversation. But we just talked about three teams in the NCA tournament there, um, and that you guys all played each other. That's incredible considering what we, what we see nowadays.
9: Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, like I said, back then, the league was, was a, a real powerhouse. I think we were one of the better leagues in the country. I agree with you that our league's not as strong as it was back then. And part of that, I mean, the main part of it is, I think, the prolific, prolific you know, of how many Division II teams there are now yes. in the New Jersey, Philadelphia area that back 20 years ago, I mean, a, a number of those schools were all-girls schools. They didn't even have men's teams, or a number of them were NAIA schools. And didn't compete on an NCAA level, so now you know the, there's a whole conference with 14 Division II teams that are kind of coming in and stealing away the players that used to end up in the NJAC. You know whether they end up here, or at William Patterson, or Stockton, or whatever it may be.
0: Yeah, we're certainly familiar with that sentiment. We've heard that from many a coach. whether it'd be William Patterson, Stockton's, uh, Ramapo's, or what they talk about that change. So certainly things are coming back. Before we get to the to the team and conference again, let's let's backtrack to '96 one more time. What do you remember the most from that that run to a championship?
9: Well, it's kind of like, you know, we've talked about this with some of the guys. And Demetrius Poles, who was on that team, uh, who actually made the tip in to win the game against Illinois Wesleyan in the semifinal, Mm -hmm. he's now on our coaching staff. Uh, And we, we, we constantly... Tease him about that, and, and he, he agrees with that. Now, as a coach, he agrees with As a player, I'm not sure that he felt this way. <laughs> but you know, we we kind of felt to a certain extent that we underachieved during the course of the year by losing the four games that we did. And it was kind of like you know, from a coaching perspective, you, you can't accept it. But it was it was almost like the attitude of the team was, "Well, we'll turn it on when the playoffs get here. We'll turn it on when the playoffs get here." And then by those scores you just read off. They did turn it on when the playoffs got here. They turned it on incredibly when the playoffs got here. And, you know, just, you know, like you said, became almost like an offensive machine. But the the things that I remember the most, the the Illinois Wesleyan game, the semifinal game was just uh, a, a terrific, terrific basketball game. Uh, throughout you know, for whatever reasons you know 20 years ago we did not have any film of the game of the final four hmm. so i contacted the coaching staffs at illinois Wesleyan and hope over the summer to see after we arranged this game to see if we could get it and the illinois Wesleyan coaches were able to get uh, from denny bridges they told me denny just retired as the ad they did. but he had, he had an old vhs tape of it oh great so coach made a, a uh turn to dvd and sent it to me so he sends me the the DVD. I flip it into my computer one day. I just want to make sure it worked. I said, "You know, I'll just make sure it works. Yeah. I'll watch two minutes of this, blah blah blah." I t- I turned it on and like I couldn't turn it off. Oh, I mean, yeah. literally, I could not turn it off. The first 15 minutes of that game is incredible basketball. I mean, it's just incredible basketball with two incredibly talented teams just going up and down. It was 35-34 after 15 minutes. Mm. Then the pace did kind of slow down the second half. Both teams actually went zone in the second half and slowed the game down, that kind of thing. But, I mean, I, I just couldn't turn it off. And, you know, everyone else, I've shown it to the same thing. Like, this is just phenomenal, phenomenal basketball. I'm telling you, those first 15 minutes of that game is as good a Division three basketball as you will ever see.
0: That's incredible. And it's great that but, they were able to
9: find it. Did Hope find any video? Uh, w- unfortunately, no. <laughs> oh, darn! was <That laughs> too bad. Just you know, watching it, uh you know, actually, after we, I, I made my whole team watch the first fifteen minutes when, when we got it put on the DVD. But uh, you know, going into the Final Four, uh, you know, you, you exchange tapes. Yeah. And you know, so we had tapes on all four teams, and looking at the tapes, and we we just felt that Illinois Wesleyan was like the team. Yeah. You know, like we gotta beat these guys. And then, you know, the, the uh the game started off their first their first play of the game, uh they ran a little backdoor on Terrence, Stewart. Terrence, is now the head coach at Immaculata, uh was our best player, you know, was our top guy and their guy Crabtree popped out to the corner and ran a back door. They him a bounce pass, and I mean, he thunder dunked it first play <laughs> of the game. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> message I sent. Turning like slapping me on the knee and going, "We're in trouble tonight."
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's amazing. It was, it's amazing. It was, it was that
9: kind of game, and it was just like I said, it was just a fabulous up and down basketball game.
0: It's amazing because back then you didn't get to see those matchups. We didn't get to see a New Jersey City versus a CCIW team in any way, shape, or form until we got to Salem. Now, this now, nowadays, it's still rare, but it's a little bit more commonplace, certainly with right. in-season tournaments. What I find really interesting is you had a head coach who certainly knew that program well, having played there at North Central. Correct. Um, but there's only so much you can do when you get to that semifinal game. Um, and then when you went on to Hope, I mean, Hope's one of those, again, one of those powerhouses of Division III. Um, right. And you guys end up beating them for a national championship. Uh, it's too well, bad a lot of people...
9: They had the, 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 the thing in that game... Uh, you know, we did a decent job on the big guy, uh, you know, who's their All American year. But the freshman, Joel Holstage, who ended up being an All American, he had, if you go back and look at the stats he had in that game, he had one of the most phenomenal basketball games you can have under those circumstances. I think he had like 38 points. Mm-hmm. He shot like 13 for 19 from the field and 5 for 9 from three and 7 for 7 from the foul line. I mean, he had an unbelievable basketball game and he, he absolutely kept hoping that game. And that, that game, you know, I mean, how often do you see a national championship game with scores 100? to 93. I mean, most times the games seem to be lower scoring because players are nervous and there's a lot of tension and stuff like that. That game was wild, too. That was an up and down track meet the whole night. Was that
0: the first... I'm looking this up because it just dawned on me. Was that the first year that the tournament was at Salem?
9: Yes, it was. Okay. That's what I thought. We we went to the Final Four in 93 and 95. Right. In Buffalo. In Buffalo, correct. And then the first one, the first... uh, the first The first year was in Salem, and and the job that Salem did, you know, I mean, not to put down Buffalo, but it was so much more fun and so much better done, everything, in Salem than it was in Buffalo. Uh, You know, like, you know, whenever I, anyone discusses with me, you know, should it stay in Salem, should it stay in Salem, I absolutely say it should stay in Salem because, <laughs> the, you know, they, they do a f- fantastic job down there. Those people have done it. It's been 20 years now, yeah. and they still do a fantastic job. And everybody you talk to, you know, that goes there says they do a fantastic job. So uh, my hat always goes off to Salem. But yes, it was the first year at Salem, and it was, uh, you know, it was a fun time. I have a yeah. big picture sitting in my office. I should tell you this story. Yeah. As a, it's, I guess it's, I don't know almost three by two let's say you know frame picture uh, and it's a fast break play during the game you know and there's a huge crowd in the background and one of our guys Chris McShane is going in for a layup but uh, the picture was it John Janini took the picture with him when he went to Maine really and then when John came to LaSalle I was in his office one day at LaSalle and he had the picture up behind his office at LaSalle so three years ago when LaSalle made the run to the Sweet 16, now John has pictures from that Sweet 16 team on his office at LaSalle. So he gave me the oh. picture for the, 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 you know, the Rowan Hope game, so it's hanging in my office nice. with the stipulation that whichever one of us retires first gets to take it home permanently. Oh, great.
0: So now we have an inner, inner working game here of who's going to retire first. Exactly. Basically, no one's going to win this. I can see it now. You two are going to be like, no, I'm not done yet. I'm not done. Yeah, got, I got, got another. Got,
10: got to keep the picture. <laughs> exactly. Someone wants to keep the picture.
0: That's that's not fair. That's just not fair. Um, well, what's great is you said 20 years in Salem, uh, 19 actual championship games. Obviously, the 2013 right, the where the, the championship went to Atlanta. Atlanta, yes. But 20 years of Salem hosting, and we know for several years to go still. Uh, you're right. They do an amazing job, and it's kind of cool that this is the – I mean, talk about a, a great first year. You guys against Illinois Wesleyan, and obviously you guys uh, against Hope uh, for the championship game were great games. Um, let's slide a little bit towards this year, if you don't mind. you got a team that uh, you're off to a 1-2 and two start, uh, lost a, Harper, uh, a tight one against Salisbury uh, to start the season on Friday. Um, you then got a win over Washington College. Um in the second game on Saturday, of course Salisbury went on to beat Widener on the other side 83-50. Um and you got uh, a game against Newman which you you dropped by a few points. What do we expect from Rowan? It's you know, let's let's be blunt, it's been a little while since we've kind of seen you guys in the mix as it were.
9: Well, we're uh you know, the two teams we lost to Salisbury and Newman were both NCAA tournament teams last exactly. year. Exactly. Yep. You know, so it, it's 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 good competition for us and then we have another NCAA tournament team Next Tuesday, when yep. we play Stockton, and then we have the LaSalle game. So, we have, we have a really tough schedule here at the beginning of the year. I mean, our November schedule is kind of loaded three three NCAA teams and a D1 team. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, we have a, a, a unique situation this year. You know, when I spoke at our, our sports writers' lunch in the Small College Coaches Association in Philadelphia, uh, I'm starting right now, we're starting three seniors. You know, so you say, well, he's got a veteran experienced team, but I'm also starting two freshmen. So, you say, wow, he's got a yeah. young, inexperienced team. I have two six-six guys, so you say, "Wow, they get some size." I'm starting the other three starters are five, ten, and under. So I've got two bigs and three littles. I've got two, three seniors and two freshmen. So uh, we're trying, we're trying to mix and match here and f- figure out exactly where we are uh, at this point early in the year. But we're, 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 you know, we're obviously not satisfied with the outcome of those two games. They both were games, you know, with some crazy plays down the stretch that you know could have gone either way and you know we just didn't get it done uh but yeah we're, we're optimistic about our, our chances this year and like i said we we've got you know the two freshmen starting which is very unique situation for us uh you know so i think the future bodes well there for us in the backcourt that's for sure and uh you know we just we we, we need to we need to rebound that's going to be our key all year i think if we if we rebound we we should be okay
0: Uh, Coming up this weekend, you'll be at Lebanon Valley. We'll face off against Wilkes in the first game to be announced in the second one. Obviously, Lebanon Valley is one of those possible outcomes. Stockton, you pointed out, coming up after that uh, prior to Thanksgiving, then LaSalle after Thanksgiving. Get into conference play for a few games. Take a Christmas break, about three weeks, and you'll play out of conference Haverford before then conference the rest of the way. What do we make of this conference? As I said earlier on, a bit of a lull, but it seems to be coming back. Stockton has certainly emerged on the national scene again. William Patterson has done so as well, maybe even a year early Yes, last year. I think they're going to be darn good this year. ramapo Poe's been in and out of the scene. Uh, New Jersey City's been in and out of the scene, or at least threatening. Is this a conference that's going to maybe not reemerge in the top five again, but reemerge into one that can provide extra teams the NCAA tournament and be a, a tough out again?
9: Yeah, absolutely. And and the other one I think, you know, when when the coaches poll in the preseason there was there, Stockton got five votes for first place and Rutgers Newark got five votes True. for first place. Right. Uh I personally voted for Rutgers Newark. So uh I mean I, I think they're gonna be very, very good. Uh they have a Kid McDaniels who was all league last year and then they have a kid named Snow who was all league the year before and he missed last year because of an injury. So they've you know, essentially two all-league players, uh, you know, now now playing for them. So, uh, you know, I, I think the quality of the conference, especially at the top half, is, is definitely on the upswing. And like you said, you know, I, I think you know that I, I think we've shown we can be competitive if we get that second or third team into the NCAA tournament. Our teams can always be competitive with just about anybody on a given night.
0: Obviously, this conference has gone through some changes. It had the divisions. Now it's all one group. Um, top what I can't remember top six top eight make the uh, conference tournament um, top six is, yeah it's not top eight I knew that um, right. so certainly a lot on the line just to get to that point in time what do you expect from your squad
9: well, like I said, you know, we're you know we're, we're a little inconsistent so far with, like I said, the mixture that we have. But uh, you know, I, I think we can be competitive with the with the better teams in the league. Uh, with again rebounding being the key, if we're able to rebound with the Jersey Cities and the Stocktons and the and the William Pattersons, then I, I think we can. Can be very competitive with those teams, and then we're we're playing a little more up tempo than we have in the past, and we're probably shooting a little bit more from the three-point range than we have in the recent past, and we're definitely pressing more than we have in the recent past. So uh, I, I think it's a, an interesting style. I think it's a fun style for the fans to watch, and you know it should be it should be an interesting year.
0: Well, I appreciate you coming on the show uh, to talk about uh, your team and especially the upcoming game on November 28th. Really looking forward to this. Uh, I mean, as we said, it's great that a D1, D3 are playing each other, but it's even cooler that it's going to be taking place uh, at D at at your guys at D three location, right. which is certainly uh, fun to see. Um, but good again, lo- again,
9: again. We have to thank John Janini for the yeah. whole, for making this whole thing happen. Yep. And I know one of the problems LaSalle had was you know just getting approval from the Atlantic yep. Ten to do this. And, and and you know I know John worked hard to get that done. So uh, give, give him give him all the credit.
0: We'll talk to him coming up uh, after the break to be sure and talk a lot about that. Um, what, what was I going to say? I was going to say. Um, Well, of course, the other big thing, too, for you guys is it's nice to see you guys, the NJAC, kind of reemerging. This is a big game to get you on the national scene, to be sure. Uh, We certainly look forward to seeing it and and look forward. But good luck, by the way.
9: Thank you very much. Trying
0: to retain the, the, the picture.
9: That's, Thank you very much. That's all I'm going to say. It's <laughs> well, good. All that means is you want me to retire sooner. <laughs> no, I don't know.
0: I mean, that's 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 you got a you got pride involved here. This is a tough one. Do you retire soon or do you not retire? That's it's a tough one. That's why I say good luck, and that's a that's a tough. One. Uh, as always, coach on Hoop Show, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in?
9: Oh uh, No, I, well, the only thing is, you know, if, if we still haven't sold the LaSalle game out, so if you want to buy some tickets, come on over and get some tickets.
0: There you go. Good plug. Ten days away. <laughs> yeah. we, sh- we should be a good game. Coach, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it.
9: All right, Dave. Thank you very much for having me on.
0: Absolutely. Coach, Joe Take- C- uh, Cassidy joining us here on the show. We appreciate – cut him off there. I apologize. Uh, appreciate him coming on. Coming up next, we'll talk to Coach Danini at LaSalle about this game and the reasons he wanted to put it together and and, and how he got it approved as well. Uh, looking forward to chatting with him. You're listening to Hoops. And by the way, he's got deep D3 roots. We'll talk about those as well. You're listening to Hoops. Hoops so presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Coach Janini joins us next right after this.
6: College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball
3: built. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division III school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete
1: individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person.
2: Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you.
3: With d D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue.
4: By balancing all of my interests basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it.
0: And welcome back to Hoops, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Right in the middle of talking about what is absolutely an awesome idea. Rowan will be hosting LaSalle in a D1 versus D3 game. Listen, we talk about D3 games all the time taking on D1. And obviously just on Tuesday night, Louisiana College. Pulled off a a, a nice upset of McNeese State. So it happens. But D1, D3 happens often. It just happens to be at the D1 school. I mean, we talk about Transylvania going to, to Kentucky, literally a walk down the street. And we talk about other instances. My alma mater, Goucher, will be playing Navy. It happens. But it always happens at the D1 court. This is rare that it's happening at the D3 court. But there's a lot of story behind it. We just heard from Rowan. We want to get the other side of the story as it were. And that means we got to talk to the man who probably was somewhat of the brainchild behind all of this. And that is LaSalle's men's head coach, uh, John Giannini. Uh, And he joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, thank you for joining me here on Hoopsville, sir.
10: Oh, uh, you're welcome. Thrilled to be here.
0: First and foremost, I I say it was probably your idea. I mean, you have a history, obviously, with Rowan. Was it your idea? Whose idea was this?
10: Yeah, it, it, it was mine, but um, again, Joe was on board immediately. Uh, I would too. <laughs> and, and let me also say that I'm, uh, one thing we didn't talk about um, while we were chatting before uh, the interview was I played Division Three basketball right. at North Central College in right. the BCIW, so I'm, my background is, uh, again, I'm a D3 guy. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of people over here listening to this interview. So... <laughs> Rowan gave me my first chance to be a head coach, and I absolutely love the place, and I believe in the place, and the place has grown incredibly in the last 20 years with the $100 million gift, jump-starting everything dramatically. Um, So, again, I I have deep ties there. Joe Cassidy, the current coach, is is one of my closest friends and godfather, and his wife, Betty Ann, is godmother to our first uh, uh, daughter, Brianna, So obviously those are extremely close relationships. Um, Dr. Mark Allen is a podiatrist and works with the San Antonio Spurs Mm -hmm. uh, down there. Uh, But he's a Rowan alum and a big basketball fan. So Joe and Dr. Allen and myself have been thinking for a couple of years about making this a big deal, Uh, bringing the school. Uh, and that team the the recognition that uh, we want uh, and also but to do that it has to be a big event so I was in my office with Dr. Allen last May and again we were thinking you know a banquet would be nice something like that but I was looking up on my scheduling board and I saw we had an open game and it was one of those aha moments Mm -hmm. and I thought oh my gosh why don't we play and it would be such a big deal because again um, South Jersey is really kind of a, a suburb of Philadelphia, so um, it's an incredible local story. There's so many uh, area people that were involved in that um, uh, in that game, and um, and I'll put it this way: we're playing Miami in the Plestra, who's a top 25 team. We're playing Villanova, obviously in the Big Five, who's a top 10 team. We're playing. Temple, who's the sixth or seventh winningest program of all time in the Plestra on the 50th anniversary of the Big Five. And I've got the only game I've gotten multiple media requests to talk about is the Rowan game. And it's a great story, and we're going to get Rowan a lot of attention. Rowan is one of only 75 schools in the country with an engineering school, a medical school, and an accredited business school. It's up to over 13,000 undergrads. They've developed a place called Rowan Boulevard over there that has a big-time college town f- uh, feel. So we want to promote those things, and we want to get that team recognition, and we want to raise money. We're going to yeah. bring a lot of people back, and we're going to have events before the game and after game, and we're going to raise money for Rowan. And uh, I think this game is what is the platform to make all these things possible.
0: Yeah, it's certainly an amazing thing. And again, we talk about D3 going to D1 all the time for games. You never hear about a D1 coming to a D3 yeah. school. There's so much. For starters, for D1, there's money on the line. A, you're, you're either appearing a game, guarantee for the D3 school, or you've got admissions you can get out of your home game, even if it's against a team like a Division three school. You're, you're throwing a lot of that out the window, as you point out here, to recognize the 20th anniversary of Rowan's national championship when you were head coach. Was that a tough sell for those at LaSalle to say to your administrators, listen, yeah, I'm doing this a little bit backwards.
10: Uh, it, it, not with our administration Uh we have great people here and they got it immediately um, you know the a10 we had to convince because of course you know we were a multi-bid league <laughs> yeah. and uh, a lot of that is based on strength of schedule
0: we know about that
10: <laughs> right so so we really had to make it clear to our commissioner you know that this is an exceptional thing and we've never played in fact we've never played a non-division one since i've been at LaSalle in a regular season game so um and she immediately realized that it was something special and supported it so uh, everyone's been on board and everyone's excited
0: well the other thing too there is you kind of hinted at it is you know technically sometimes these games can be considered exhibition you could play it during a time of year where it doesn't hurt either team Uh, in the sense of a regular season game. We're playing this as a regular season game through and
9: through.
10: Yeah, I I thought, you know, one coach said, well, why don't you do it as an exhibition game? And my answer was because people do that all the time. Uh, It wouldn't be a a special event. Certainly regular season games are more important than exhibition games, and we wanted this game to be important. We wanted it to uh, be an event and be a big deal in our area, and I thought this was the best way to do it.
0: Uh, talking to Coach John Janini here, former Rowan head coach, current LaSalle head coach, and talking about the 20th anniversary of Rowan's championship being honored with a game, LaSalle at Rowan. Um, you're, you're, it's interesting, you know, in Division Three, as you know, you, the, commi, the uh, conference commissioner doesn't necessarily need to be involved in decisions of out-of-conference games. Um, sure, there may be Conversations within coaches about strengthening the SOS, strength of schedule, as it were, but there isn't necessarily a conversation with the
10: conference. at our level, there is. That's what I'm saying. That's a very
0: interesting dynamic with this. The
10: SEC has put in most conferences now have pretty strict scheduling guidelines. Yeah. The SEC office actually has to approve every non-conference game. So every single game. Our our league is not to that extreme. We have guidelines that all of us do a good job following, but. For non one games, you need to ask for approval, and, um, you know, we got it uh, because of these unique circumstances. But, yeah, it's, everyone at our level want, wants to make that NCAA tournament. It's such a big deal for so many reasons, and uh, but your schedules have to be right to accomplish that. So scheduling at our level is, is uh, it's truly a science.
0: Give us a little insight of, of that phone call to Joe Cassidy. At Rowan he's given us his insight but what was your insight to, to give him a call and say hey so got an idea for you
10: yeah I mean that's just how, how it was I said would you guys want to play and he said absolutely and see Joe and I talk probably every week anyway so <laughs> us talking is not yeah. unusual but um, again we we have been trying to figure out how to make the anniversary a big deal for recognition for fundraising for uh, for all those things. Uh, so it was a topic we were in, regularly going over, and th- this was just a, a natural idea that grew out of that. And uh, it's, we both knew it was a, a no-brainer as soon as we, it, we, we got it done.
0: Um, when you look at what Rowan means to you in Division 3 we'll get to as well. Obviously, that is a big part of this. You won that national championship. In, in 96 with this program, Rowan, that is. How, how much do you still look back on that game, look back on that coaching? Um, and, and, I mean, how, much, how impactful is it still to this day is what I'm trying to get I, I
10: I don't look back on that game. I look back on the seven years. We went our first year, we made the NJC playoffs and the ECAC playoffs. The second year, we made the NCAA tournament and won a game. Our fourth year we were ranked number one, got to the final four. Our fifth year was our best team we ever had and we lost in a heartbreaking game in triple overtime to NYU. Our sixth year was again a number one rank right? four years in a row at some point we were ranked number one, I think. Uh we had a great team that year and uh went to the final four. But the next step and and probably and Joe will say this certainly the dramatic game for us was beating Illinois Wesleyan in the semifinals because it was a mm-hmm. late tip-in. It it went down to the last second, uh, and we had never gotten through that first game. Yeah, and it was such an incredible breath of relief getting through that first game. And Hope was a great team. It was Hope was a really terrific team, but in my heart of hearts, I'd have to say the two best teams were in that first semifinal: us and Illinois Wesleyan. The two teams were similar in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, so once we got through that Illinois Wesleyan game, you know it, We had that breath of relief and we actually played a little looser and played well against hope But it's really that whole seven years. It was that process. It was such a gradual climb And we had to as I said take every step along the way from ECAC to NCAs to being really good in final four and then to finally get into that championship night, so it wasn't an, an easy process and, again, because it wasn't easy, that's what made it so rewarding.
0: Um, what's You talk about the process. What's interesting is you obviously you mentioned at the beginning of North Central grad. You've been involved in Division Three your entire career for the most part. You beat a fellow CCIW and certainly a bit of a rival in Illinois Wesleyan in that semifinal. Talk about how much Division Three, I mean, has been impactful. At North Central, 84 grad, you're still – well, I I just had it in my notes, lost it. You're sixth, still sixth all time in rebounding. You're still the all time leader in games played. Um, you're fifth uh, in, in number of rebounds per in a game, 21 in a game. That's fifth all time. How much has that playing career and then that ultimate coaching career stuck with you?
10: Well, uh, well a few things. First, uh, Division three is the way things should be. Uh, You know the division one levels become such a a business and now you have cost of attendance and you have uh, Basically student athlete welfare coming to the front more and more, but that's because there's so much revenue out there and it's not What most of us thought of in terms of college sports growing up quite frankly? There's still the kids are great the competitions are great, but there is this business side to it. And I'm more of a purist. I love the whole Division Three philosophy and the experience of the kids. Um, but I'll also say most Division Three coaches from our league, you look at Mike Lonergan, We every D3 fan should be an A-10 fan. They in, should be, you're right. Vision. You have Mike Lonergan who wanted a Catholic U at, uh, um, at GW who just beat Virginia. You have yep. Dave Paulson from Williams who just <laughs> yep. Uh, got the George Mason job and, you know, Shaka Smart, I think, started as a D3 assistant, and yes. you got a guy, Dave Paul, uh, Brad Stevens started as a Division three player. You go on and on, and I just think that, uh, number one, from a coaching standpoint, you have to do everything, which makes you more well-rounded, um, and you really learn how to build a program. Uh, in every aspect from recruiting to academics to to budgets to to strength and conditioning because you you usually do all those things. So I'm really surprised more coaches don't get a chance uh, because the ones that have have done really, really well. So it's had an incredible impact on me and I have the highest respect for the level. And uh, I certainly wouldn't be um in position or have the ability to be successful if it wasn't for that background
0: um you talk about the a10 being full of incredible division three coaches that have certainly done well very nicely done thank you um you also have had success you're all-time winning coach at rowan you're the all-time winning coach at your next stop at university of maine we'll talk about that in a minute and you're now the all-time winningest coach at LaSalle. winning certainly seems to go with you
10: well you know what not as enough for a lot of fans and that's because you know, we, we, we haven't done what Dayton or VCU or, or, or Temple or Villanova have done and be really good on a consistent basis. And that's what all of us want. That's what all our fans want. But, you know, there's also certain challenges to certain jobs, whether it's facilities or geography or budgets. And, um, you know, I, I think I've done well, but you always want to do better. I've, I think I've had challenging situations and done well with them. But uh, again, you always want to be better, and uh, you uh, and there's there's people that you certainly aspire to compete with, and we're we're still doing that.
0: When we look at um, the fact that Division three coaches have certainly done well. By the way, you know Johns Hopkins player is now the head coach at um, USC. Yeah, or yeah, UCLA. Go, darn en- it,
10: Enfield. That's right. Yeah, thank was, you. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, some people criticize me for getting those two teams mixed up. Yeah. I, I know yeah. that well. Um, what is it about Division Three that seems to, in some cases, translate so well into coaching?
10: It's what I said. It's well. Well, first from the coaching standpoint, again, you're you're usually doing the strength and conditioning you're you're doing the scheduling you're doing the budget you're doing transportation you're doing academic support you know at, at LaSalle I have a full-time person in academic support I have a full-time strength coach I have a full-time operations person I have a full-time video person and that's frankly very normal for uh, for our level uh, but in division 1 that is often one person having all those jobs so when you do get that opportunity, you know how to run a program. You you tell your strength coach, you know, I, I'd like to do this, this, and that. You tell your video person, I'd like to do this this way. You tell your academic person, here's what I'd like to do. And you, you just know how to run a program. And I think, let's say you're an assistant at a, a really high-level program. Well, you've recruited, you know, but you haven't necessarily, and certainly the majority of guys who get jobs have that background, and a lot of them do well, but some of them don't, and they haven't called a timeout, and they haven't had to to, to devise a, a game plan and, and get a feel for in-game coaching, and they haven't had to be involved maybe with academics or strength and conditioning or scheduling, so I just think that uh, you, you do it all, and uh, I here's the reason I think a lot of D3 players like a Brad Stevens or Shaka Smart have have done well, is I think really good players um, have uh, have met a lot of goals. I think a lot of D3 guys love basketball but were never as good as they wanted to be. Mm -hmm. That certainly fits me, and they still have a competitive fire. And once you're done playing... You know, the only way to stay, if you love basketball, once you're done playing, if you're not good enough to play in the NBA or Italy or Europe or Spain or, or Sweden or wherever, or like I was not, well, the only thing you can still do is coach. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, we have a, a guy that on our staff, Matt O'Hara, who's a grad assistant who played at Muhlenberg, and he was like me, and he's going to be a terrific coach. Um, you know, not good enough to play professionally, but loves basketball. Um, so, I, I I think that answers the question whether it's player or coach I think D3 lends itself to coaching.
0: By the way how does a guy who grew up in Chicago played Midwest basketball end up at Phil in the Philadelphia area coaching Rowan then ends up in Maine coaching Maine and then comes back to the Philadelphia area to coach LaSalle.
10: Are are you lost coach? No I'll (laughs) tell you exactly how it happened. (laughs) Um, I was a grad assistant at Illinois and I was a grad assistant at North Texas prior to that and my I, my dream was really to be a Division III head coach, um, and this is what really solidified it. I had a mentor, Mark Coombs, who was uh, one of the full-time assistants at, at Illinois, and Clem Haskins at, at Minnesota had an assistance opening. And I was 26 years old, and I didn't know the business that well, and I asked Mark, I said, do you think I would have a chance at that? And he literally laughed. He goes, John, I wouldn't have a chance at that. He goes, "For they probably want a guy who can get players right now who have been recruiting certain guys and say, hey, if you hire me, I think we'll have a chance at this guy, this guy, and that guy. And it was then I realized I was graduating with a Ph.D. I was coming. I had five years of Division I experience. I was coming out of the number one program in the country and a team coming off of Final Four, and I still didn't have a chance at a, a Division One assistance job. And it was at that point that I got really realistic about the Division Three level. And frankly, at that time, Division Three coaches taught. So I had the Ph.D. I was coming out of a good program. I had interviews at uh, a number of places, and I was lucky to get the, the, the Rowan job. Um, and you know, and, and frankly, I would have been thrilled and honored to have spent a career there, but it, as we've been talking about it, it went too well. The, the program was in such good shape, and Joe Cassidy was such a great assistant, and uh, his recruiting was off the charts, and his mentoring of me was off the charts it just went too well and it led to these other opportunities
0: it's certainly interesting that uh, you end up being the all-time winning coach at the last three stops I and I realize when I say this let
10: me correct you I speedy Morris is still ahead of me over here I think in in the Atlantic 10 era oh you're right
0: you're right Atlantic 10 era that's what I am reading right um when you when you obviously the goal is to still maybe go even further It'd be nice to see I mean with that kinda success everyone would say it'd be nice to see you get an even bigger job though I'm sure you love the Job you have at LaSalle, but I'm kind of curious. Would you ever come back to D3 when you feel your time at LaSalle absolutely. is up? Absolutely.
10: Absolutely. You could just hear my affinity for it. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think of that nowadays. I, I absolutely do. So, and, and you know what? I miss the purity of it. Uh, I miss uh, the sanity of the rules. <laughs> uh, I do. Uh, in Division I, you practice year round. I mean, yeah. our kids are in the weight room in May, June, July at. 7 in the morning, yeah. you know, and uh, we'll practice at 11 cool. and then have study hall and then have class and it never ends. And yeah. the, and that's the competition at this level. But I'm not sure, you know, it, I'll give you a great quote about that. Jim Cruz, who's coaching at St. Louis and coached with Bob Knight at Indiana, he said back then, after the season, you would take a few weeks off and then... Uh, uh, and then pretty soon it was summer and your kids would go away for the summer and uh, they'd get summer jobs and they'd come back in the fall and you'd lift some weights in place and pick up. And October 15th, you would get started with practice. And he said, and we were the hardest, toughest workers in the country at in Indiana. He said, if a Division I program did that now, they'd be the softest team in the country because these rules are permissive and they do allow you to work year-round. But, you know, I'm not sure that uh, – is always the best thing for the coaches or the players um, it might be good to get a summer job and so forth but you know competitively this is what you have to do at that level so uh again i miss the, the sanity and purity of division three and uh i think it's great
0: you should get to salem for a championship weekend if you're not neck deep in the ncaa tournament yeah. yourself
10: yeah yeah it would be
0: nice uh well coach i appreciate you coming on really great to chat with you uh, by the way a little side note for everybody while we were chatting before this interview we found out uh, both of us grew up in the same region, not at the same time. We're we're not the same age, but grew up in somewhat the same area of Chicago. We both ended up at Maine at some point, and 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 now in Division three basketball, kind of a weird small world collision there. Um, but I do appreciate you coming on and talking about this game. Really looking forward to it. I might even get up there for it. Oh, All depends on the great. schedule um but really thank you also for being such an advocate for division three we know Div- division three coaches leave to division one and still advocates for division three but we don't talk to them that often so i want to thank you as always for, for i guess remembering your roots though that sounds well, really cheesy you, what,
10: you should have an A-10 A 10 week and all those guys would, yeah. would be thrilled to uh talk with you. you
0: know that's not a bad idea you know what uh, hold on a second i am going to write down A 10 week yeah. i kind of like the mentality there coach we may reach out to a few more plus we have our marathon show in January. You might even reach out to some others like uh, in the NBA ranks who we know are sure. still involved, like Brad That's Stevens cool. and Popovich, et cetera. They but, would love it. Uh, well, Coach, a tradition on okay. our show is we always give the final word to the coach. Any final things you want to say to anybody who may be tuning in?
10: Well, you were so kind to let me talk so long. I I, I almost feel like Forrest Gump. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well put. I like it. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Coach. Have fun okay. with the game. I know you will. Good luck the rest of the season okay. as well. Thanks,
1: guys. Okay, bye-bye.
0: Coach, John, Bye. uh Janini, joining us here from uh, LaSalle, obviously former Rowan head coach, former North Central uh, student athlete. Appreciate him taking the time. Also want to thank Joe Cassidy earlier from Rowan talking about the big game coming up again on November 28th. uh, Should be a great game. I know I'm going to try and get to it. If not, I'm watching it online. Talk about an awesome experience to see a D1 program come to a D3 school. No matter the outcome of that game, it's just great for both programs to recognize Rowan's 20th anniversary of their national championship when we come back we'll switch gears talk hoopsville classic a little bit closer it's this weekend in particular but we'll talk about the hoopsville classic and the eight teams coming up gary stewart will join me from stevenson to talk about that you listen to hoopsville presented by d3hoops.com and the national association of basketball coaches more hoopsville right after
3: this
2: division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships this really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that gpa
3: i did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school
2: I got the Presidential Scholarship, which was huge for me.
3: I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience.
4: Being a Division III athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court.
5: I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who is identified as a likely leader.
2: And the end of the day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom.
6: College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville everybody, I'm your host Dave McHugh, hope you're enjoying the show. We're obviously not in studio right now, we're at Stevenson University, more on that in just a moment. But don't forget you can interact with us via twitter at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville, email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on facebook facebook.com slash hoopsville all scrolling at the bottom of your screen. Obviously jammed in a lot today. We aren't going to be on the air for about 10 days. So we have a lot we wanted to cover, kind of previewing a lot of things as well. want to thank so far uh, Carrie Carollo from Wisconsin-Whitewater for joining me and of course the LaSalle and Rowan coaches. The Sal-Rowan game certainly worth maybe checking out. If you can do it in person or going online, certainly suggest you go and have some fun with that one. Of course, the other tournament uh, that we're keeping our eye on is the fourth annual Hoopsville National Invitational Classic hosted by stevenson university and joining me now is coach gary stewart thanks coach for joining me as always appreciate it uh... Obviously, off to an 0-2 start, but we got the Hoopsville Classic coming up. Let's start with the Hoopsville Classic, fourth annual year. This is certainly getting a lot of fun. Eight teams this year, four of them nationally ranked, six of them getting votes, and all
5: eight somehow, in some way, played postseason last year. Well, first, uh, I think I'm making history. Probably The first guy <laughs> on your show that's 0-2 to start a season. <laughs> no, off, I don't know. Uh, I have to go back check the records. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we're excited about the Hoopsville Classic. It's uh, another outstanding field, and. Um, uh, it's going to be outstanding uh, student athletes, players. Um, great, great opportunity to uh, get a uh, barometer on the conference and a uh, barometer on the nation.
0: People in Division Three will appreciate it, maybe not outside, but six of the eight regions represented. We have, what, five or six conferences represented, maybe more, I can't remember off the top of my head. Really diverse field this year. And interesting enough, six of the eight haven't played in the tournament
7: before.
5: Yeah, a lot of cross-section matchups that are really intriguing. Um, I I think it offers um, everything, there's going to be different uh, paces of play. Uh, you're going to see people extend uh, full court. You're going to see some people that are really, really good in the half court. Uh, should be interesting.
0: It's funny because sometimes we'll, you and I will have a 2 or 4 o'clock game where it's like, okay, that's an interesting one, but you know, nothing major of note. Every single game has a major note of some kind involved. St. John Fisher, a deep team that went into the tournament last year. You also have a, a, other teams like Southern Vermont who are going to make names. It, the, every game's got something fascinating.
5: It does, um, and I, I think that's excellent, not only for... Uh, the participants and, and the people that are watching here in the facility, but uh, nationally, anybody that tunes in is going to get a chance to see some really, really intriguing matchups.
0: You got Dickinson in the first game, and then you're going to f- take on Emory in the in the second day. Nice little mix there. You get a local team that you don't necessarily play all the time, and then you're going to get that UAA team that you certainly love, but also a national power to test yourself against. What are you expecting from the weekend?
5: Well, um, we're hoping to. Uh, <laughs> uh... count the guys at the end of it and hopefully we have the same number of guys entering but it's going to be uh, um, good for our program it's it's always good to play really really stiff competition because that certainly shows you uh... the things that you're doing well and also highlights the things that you got to continue to work on
0: we'll transition into your team in a minute but i know you always want to give stevenson and those back here at the school who do a lot of work uh... recognition can you talk a little bit about how this gets put behind the scenes not not you and i necessarily but those behind the scenes at stevenson who do the work
5: well i think the entire campus embraces it uh, the community uh... really uh... works hard to make this an outstanding event uh, uh... this this not only in our office but it touches the entire campus uh... glinda lejandra her office and uh, pr is outstanding for us and promotes it um uh, uh, for months on end, uh, and then in-house, uh, Melissa Button is one that works tirelessly at this, and, and there are others. Mike uh, uh Brett Adams, our athletic director, certainly um, uh, has a, uh, a lot to do with uh, the success of the tournament. And then uh, it starts at the top with uh, President Manning and um, and uh, Tim Campbell, our uh, vice president. So um, it uh, it's a family affair. It's. Uh, One that uh, we take very, very seriously, and uh, we hope that it comes off well.
0: Even translating into other sports, men's lacrosse, kind of a similar structure in the middle of their season, bringing in good teams and doing something. It's almost set a, a standard. As it were. What's really interesting is, you know, I know what I hear from coaches outside, but what do you hear about tournaments like these, and not just the Hoopsville Classic, but any tournament that can bring in really good talent uh, to test people? What do you hear about those at the beginning of the season, and specifically this one?
5: Well, it offers so much uh, for the participants. It offers an opportunity to, um, like I said, play good competition. and might be out of your region or out of your geographical area, so that's um, it's always good to do that because you hear about good play. Uh, but you don't necessarily know how good that play is. So uh, that eliminates that because, it, because it's face-to-face competition. Uh, the other thing that uh, I think the Hoopsville Classic does is it uh, promotes Division III basketball nationally. And uh, we've got an excellent product. We've got so many really, really quality teams across the country. Uh, this is one of the events that um, highlights that. There, there are others, but uh, we feel like we kick it off with, uh, with a really good tournament.
0: When you look at the fact that you do have that national scope and you're testing yourself early, I've heard coaches say this, but I don't, maybe I don't truly understand it. They'll say, hey, listen, I can tap into that tournament come March. I can turn to my guys and say, hey, you remember X? Well, they're like Y. How does that imply? I mean, obviously, you've played a lot of ECA season. You played a, you've tried to get in the NCA tournaments, and you've got big games at the end of your conference season. How does a
5: tournament here in November Help you in February and even March? Well, you know you're playing uh, against competition that could compete in your conference and could compete at the top of your conference. So uh, that's invaluable uh, because if you can handle uh, that level of competition, then you know you can go back in in January and February and compete uh, effectively. So, um, again, uh, some coaches. Uh, uh, don't want that type of stiff competition this early in the season. I want to work out some of the kinks uh, before they uh, see a, a program of the magnitude that we have here. Uh, but um, for those that are wishing to uh, uh, judge themselves nationally and, and try to figure out where they are in the pecking order. Uh, it certainly gives some insight into that.
0: Interestingly, too, is you know we've been kind of the second week of the of the season, so people can kind of get the kinks out, as you were say. But in the next three years, should this continue, obviously we're dealing with the first weekend, almost almost the first couple of days, because there's not much time before Thanksgiving. We we hope to keep it on that same weekend. That's going to make it challenging for coaches down the road
5: too. Yeah, originally um, in thinking about this tournament and and not ever putting on something of this uh, scope. Um, I didn't know exactly what went into this. This is a year-round endeavor <laughs> and, um, and there are a lot of complexities. You mentioned one, uh, with the calendar, the next three years, that presents some unique challenges. Uh, but all in all, it seems to come together yeah. and uh, I'm thankful for the help that you provide and everybody else um, in, in working, like I said, year-round too. Uh, really get uh, the culmination of what we'll see this weekend.
0: This uh, interview is also part of our Coaches Corner presented by Buffalo Wild Wings uh, here at the tournament weekend so let's talk a little bit about your team slide into that role. Tough start to the season 0-2. Last year's five win team York and last year's four win team Goucher both got you here at home. I got to see part of that Goucher game seems like you guys are just trying to work out a little bit of the kinks.
5: Yeah yeah, we got beat by two teams that are better than us. Uh, There's no question about that and uh, we've got a lot of work to do. We've got uh, um, um, you know, some deficiencies right now on, on both sides of the ball. So uh, we're getting after that in practice. And uh, we don't have a lot of time to shore that up. The schedule is very, very rigorous. And then we get into conference play, which is always difficult. So. Uh, We certainly have our work cut out for
0: us. Talk about conference play in a minute, but I find your out-of-conference schedule fascinating this year. You're tapped into about eight or so conferences off the top of my head. I know you're into the landmark, the CAC, you're tapping into the Centennial, the UAA, um, amongst others, Cabrini, CSAC, etc. You really diversified your your schedule this year and really wanted to tap into a lot. Is that almost,
5: uh, not to put you on the spot, but is that almost an SOS type game? Well, uh, you know, a lot of things go into that. I'm a California guy, so I'm still trying to get uh, the lay of the You're land. You're not used to this
0: many teams in the area. <laughs> you know, yeah, so
5: I, I like to uh, go see different places, sure. and, and I know that our guys like that, too. And um, So it, it kind of all came together. We had an opportunity to play uh um, some really really good people in some interesting places and we, and we jumped at it. Now you'll go to Christopher Newport I know at one point. The other tournament was it Rochester
0: or? We're going to Miami. Miami I'm sorry that's right. i um, I'm of the women's team is going to Rochester. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, and you're picking out some talent there too. You're really you know it's across the board. It seems like this is almost an educational year. Should you even make the NCAA tournament which is obviously the goal but this seems like an educational year. This is a type of team we should see. This is a type of team we should see.
5: Yeah, we'll learn a lot about uh, not only ourselves, but we'll learn a lot about uh, uh, NCAA tournament-type programs uh, moving through um, our preseason. We've got some uh, uh, people that are historically um, participated in postseason play. So, uh, again, I, I think that's good for us. I think it's healthy for our program. Uh, certainly sounded really uh, fun uh, when we put it together. Now that, <laughs> now that we start to look at it, uh, and you get some film coming in, yeah, uh, not so good. Hey, it's a great schedule right, on right, paper. Right, on paper, it's right. a great schedule. But, but I think you've got to go play people, and sure. we've never been afraid to play people, and and uh, we'll live with the outcome. But uh, uh, to be able to participate against really good competition uh, helps us. It helps us in the recruiting, and helps us in the development of our student athletes.
0: Matt Commonwealth interesting they all voted you to finish first you guys have been in the championship game the last two years obviously to be surprised by alvernia but it's a close vote there's a lot of teams in the mix it's interesting the commonwealth seems deep but it doesn't feel as top-heavy as it has been there's been talk that messiah is good and they may be there's been talk that you know alvernia may rebuild again arcadia is in the mix you don't know what to expect from lebanon valley widener may be a better squad than in the past it, it feels like the conference is wide open this season.
5: Well, it's always challenging. Yeah. Know, and, uh, and I expect uh, this to be no different. Um, you know, when you're voted at the top of the conference, <laughs> I told somebody the other day, it's like uh, having a 40 inch waist and you have 32 inch pants. It really means nothing. You know? you so you've got to go prove yourself. It's one of the things I really love about sport that you have to actually go do it uh, over a double round robin. Yeah. So uh, uh, everybody has the same challenge and, uh, you know, there's terrific coaching in, in the. In the conference so you know everybody's going to be prepared and there's some really really talented student-athletes so it'll be it'll be difficult to uh... for anybody to to win our conference and uh, and i don't think uh... that's usually the mantra every year and it did not change obviously sure. this year
0: interesting quirk with the schedule you'll start off actually with a bunch of road games in the conference which contributes with your other part of the schedule that after the hoopsville classic you will not be home until january second with a game you're going a solid what five six weeks there without a home game Certainly a challenge, but is that something that I mean? Obviously, it'll benefit you later. You'll have a ton of home games near the end of the season. But is that something that you can take advantage of, or is that something that's almost a double-edged sword?
5: Well, I, I feel a little bit like a community organizer. You know, it, it, uh, <laughs> our commissioner came to, to me and said we got a little bit of a challenge with the schedule, and if it's possible, could you play three on the road to start the conference and. And, um, and obviously, if it's the best for the conference, uh, we're going to do that. Sure. You have to play everybody anyway. Yeah. And that's the way lined up. And, and uh, so we'll go play it. Obviously, it doesn't matter in our conference when you play somebody on the road. Yeah. It's going to be challenging. So, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, and you've got to do it. Uh, so so we'll, uh, we'll navigate through that and, and, um, and, and then see where we are after it.
0: But before you booked the Christopher Newport trip and before you booked the Miami trip, did you know you were going to be going on the road? I mean, did you kind of see this long stretch of road games kind of coming?
5: Well, well, I knew that the conference slate was set up that way, and, uh, but, uh, you know, Dave, I can still defect. So, yeah, uh, and Miami's a great place to do A lot of sunshine there. And so, oh, that's why you're going right, down there. Right, right. Okay. We'll see how that turns out. Right before Christmas exactly. too. Perfectly so, yeah. appropriate yeah, you're for yourself. He's starting to figure out my plan. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's perfect. Right. Well, good luck with it. We'll right. see if you're back on January second right. for Thank the you. conference game. Yeah. yeah. Well, coach, I appreciate it as always. Coming on. Really looking forward to eight of the hoops. So classic. I'm looking forward to senior season as always, and of course the battle in the MAC Commonwealth as always. As you know, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in?
5: Yeah, if uh, you're able to. TO uh, GET IN A CAR AND DRIVE DOWN, uh, IT'S AN OUTSTANDING TOURNAMENT AND I THINK uh, um, YOU'LL uh, in- ENJOY EVERYTHING ABOUT THE TOURNAMENT. Um, WE CERTAINLY WORK REALLY HARD TO MAKE IT FAN FRIENDLY AS WELL. Um, WE'RE TEAMING UP THIS YEAR WITH uh, AN ORGANIZATION CALLED TEAM UP FOR ONE, A uh, FABULOUS ORGANIZATION THAT uh, WORKS WITH uh, CHILDREN WITH A VARIETY OF DIFFERENT DISABILITIES AND, and uh, CHALLENGES AND uh, CHRONIC ILLNESSES. and, and uh, so. Uh, if you get a chance, if you're in the building, or if you, you don't, if you can go on their website and learn a lot about them, um, we have uh, we'll partnered with them as well. So it's a uh, it's a great opportunity for uh, Division three basketball. I think this weekend, and I hope that uh, if you're not able to come, you can tune in.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, and we'll look forward to it. Thank you, Dave. If you want more t- information on the Hoopsville Classic or you want to see the schedule or you want to get tickets, first off, you can always go to d3hoops.com we have a-, a link to some of the information there. You can also go to Stevenson's website, go mustangsports.com, go to the men's basketball page. In the upper right hand corner, you'll see a, a more and then you'll see a Hoopsville link. Go there, you can buy tickets, get more information on the games, etc. They will all be video broadcast by the terrific SU TV squad here, or really should say MSN squad. Mustang Sports Network, the video squad here, under the direction of Joe Wamba, <clears throat> certainly does a good job. We'll be providing audio commentary from D3hoops.com. Have a pretty good Cast of characters to help us do that. We're looking forward to that. We'll also be conducting interviews throughout the weekend with all of the coaches, and that will actually be part of our Hoopsville show for Sunday. Sunday will not be on the air live, but we will have that show. If you want to come to the game, $7 a day. So if you want to take advantage of it, $7 for four games certainly isn't that bad a price. Uh, you can get tickets online ahead of time, but if you really want to, just come to the door and pay $7 while you're here. Lots of good games, two, four, six, and 8 across the board for both days. Uh, Eastern time, obviously, we certainly encourage you to come. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the Mid-Atlantic region with our Mid-Atlantic region reporter and D3Hoops.com writer, Ryan Scott. That's all ahead here on Hoops Hill, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoops Hill right after this.
11: I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Obviously, a longer uh, expanded show, overtime show, as we knew going in, strictly because we have so much to jam into the show. We're not going to be back on the air technically for another 10 days. Lots to cover. Lots we want to get in. We will have a show on Sunday, but it's really, it's not really a show as much as we'll just put the Coach's Corner interviews that we do at the Hoopsville Classic together as our bookmark for Sunday's show we're gonna be doing a ton of work there it's gonna be harder then turn around another show um and then obviously we're not on for thanksgiving so that's going to lead us until november 29th to be on the air so um we have a lot to cover in this show so we're jamming a lot in and so on and so forth so um hope you don't mind it nonetheless obviously it's good content I want to thank everybody we've had on this show so far including gary stewart in the last segment talking about stevenson's 0-2 start and obviously hosting the hoopsville classic the 0-2 start may be more indicative of what's going on in division three in general Uh, especially in the mid-Atlantic region where we've seen some craziness. Dickinson lost to Cabrini, who then lost to Eastern. I'm not sure anybody would say Eastern is necessarily better than um, Dickinson, um, but maybe they are. But maybe they aren't. You know, it's one of those types of season. Lots of question marks, especially in the mid-Atlantic region that has certainly improved. Uh, as you know, in the, at least at the beginning of this season, we've been trying to bring in more regional reporters. We may not get them on every single show this season, but we're certainly looking to bring them on, especially early on, to at least give us a bit of a foothold in each of the regions and so transitioning off of stevenson we bring in on the hotline uh ryan scott uh who's also the d3 hoops.com mid-atlantic region reporter ryan welcome to hoopsville sir thank you thanks for having me it's good to be on absolutely appreciate you taking the time yeah as i said you know stevenson's 0-2 losing to what is certainly an improved york and goucher team i don't think anybody thought that they wouldn't be improved um but york won five games last year and, and goucher won four is actually halfway to that win total now at two and one um but then that's as I said Dickinson lost to cabrini who lost to Eastern and you've gotten you know craziness so far to start the mid-atlantic season uh, how do you see it from your vantage point
12: uh that's what I see as sort of the way it is across the country right the voters had such trouble doing a top 25 because there's a lot of teams who lost players and the same thing's true in the region we got a lot of changeover in coaches and players and we don't quite know what to expect, and even if we thought we did, these first couple of results are throwing that all up in the wind as well. Yeah,
7: and,
0: and the other thing that's interesting is just the amount of coaching changes. I, you know, Maybe it's maybe it's not abnormal. Maybe it just felt abnormal, but we certainly had a lot of coaching changes on the men, men's and women's side, a lot of names thrown in the mix in other jobs. Heck, I heard Alan Serretti's name more times than I can count into different jobs. I think one of them was pretty legit as a finalist. Um, but everybody seems to be kind of looking around this season. It's, it, it just, it just feels like unsettled year.
12: Yeah. It, it's, um, fun. I, that's yeah. the kind of thing we want to see, right? Sure. That, that yeah. It's not predictable. It's not the same teams doing the same thing over and over again, that we just don't know what to expect. But I do think it'll be well into January before we really get a handle on what's going on.
0: Yeah, certainly the case. We talk about Stevenson, that Owen two start to York and Goucher. We talk about Dickinson losing to Cabrini. I, I mean, I'll tell you, I don't know about you, but when I saw the Cabrini-Dickinson result, my first thought was, oh, okay, have I completely misread Dickinson or completely misread Cabrini or some combination of the both? Then Cabrini goes out and loses to Eastern, and I'm thinking, and granted, on the last second shot, but my next thought is, okay, that didn't help.
12: Yeah, I, I mean, with Dickinson, it's, it's hard because they lost essentially their whole front line. And so they're going to have to be playing differently than they did last year, and and there's a lot of transition. You know, these first couple of games, you sort of by the end of the year you throw out as as figuring out how to go. But I didn't expect Cabrini to be competitive, and now I notice they've got two guys who started last year coming off the bench, and uh, like you said, we just can't predict what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people have put this season as Cabrini's litmus test. Um, you know, losing Aaron Walton Moss from last season, which is officially the end of their glory team, if you could call it that. Just the the, the team that they were able to put together under, under Marcus Kahn and it was so successful. Marcus obviously now in his second season at Mary Washington. Aaron Walton Moss, they struggled last year, about a 500 record if memory serves. I don't have it in front of me. Um, and certainly Aaron Walton Moss was frustrated with that team. But you're right. You know, this is the litmus test. So, okay, what do they have for talent outside of Aaron Walton Moss? And you're right. Two guys who started last year haven't started so far. Now, granted, who knows what's involved there, but they're playing well considering that. So that's part and parcel of that. But, I mean, talk about the coaching changes quickly, Ryan. I know I'm throwing a curveball here. But Washington College, Goucher men and women. Um, Misericordia men had to go to an interim job because the Scranton women's job got filled there. Um, Gettysburg women. uh, Wesley. Uh, Salisbury. East, yeah, Salisbury. Uh, Eastern's women. Um, though Eastern's technically in a different region, it had it, ramifi- it Its ramification was Gettysburg's yeah. women. You know, the coaching change there was Eastern's coach. Um, you know, and then as I said, Alan Soretti thrown in there too. It was a really interesting off season.
12: It it, it was. I, I mean, I couldn't even keep up with everyone going everywhere. I know I was yeah. checking the the site every day, the coaching carousel, to see when things got put up. Um. It's just part of the deal, I guess, that that, um, these years when a lot of talent graduates tend to be the years when the coaches feel like it might be easier to move someplace else.
0: That's a fair point. That's absolutely a fair point. Um, And certainly in the case of Goucher, a new president walked in the door and said, you know what, I'd like some change. Um, let's talk about some of these conferences, uh, be a little more specific. We're going to stick mainly to the men's side because obviously the men are getting a lot of attention um, this weekend at the Hoopsville Classic and whatnot. We will certainly give our due at the end to the women, but also down the road as well. But on the men's side, they'll start with a Commonwealth conference, technically now called the Mac Commonwealth um, to be more formal. Uh, you know, this was an interesting race the last few years, though no one has really risen to the top, as it were. Alvernia has always come on at the end, won a couple conference championships as a deep seed, but not done much in the NCAA tournament. A couple years ago, many po- thought two to three teams could get in from this conference, and it just didn't pan out. Uh, Stevenson was picked to be the number one team, but again, off to that 0-2 start. Arcadia is off to a 3-0 start. Like Cummings off to a 2-0 start. Lycoming, I should say. Messiah and Alvernia also off to 2-0 starts. Hood started their first game with a win. Lev, Val and Widener are 1-1, one one, Albright's 1-2. One and two. Doesn't really say anything at all, but this conference is a complete up-in-the-air one this year.
12: Yeah, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, especially with Stevenson starting off so so slowly, uh, that was the one team you thought that you could be sure was at the top, and, and they aren't. Yeah. You know, I heard things about, about Widener improving, and they looked up and down in their tournament that they hosted to open the season. I heard things about Messiah being better. I didn't really believe it, but they got 2-0. and So, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I don't know what's going to happen. And this is a conference that's always that way. You just never know who's going to be there at the end. And, you know, Alvernia came out of nowhere seemingly last year to, yeah. to end up at the top. So uh, I'd never know what to do with this one.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's the truth, and I see it often. And the other thing about this conference is it's a good conference, but it struggles with its SOS, and and it's really out-of-conference opponents for some of these teams. Um, you know, Stevenson's are going to go out there, especially thanks to the Hoopsville Classic, and find some really tough competition. But some of these other guys do not. But I have a sense that that's starting to become a little bit of a of a, a bone of contention in this conference. I think they're seeing that their SOS is hurting them. But the other thing, Ryan, that's been interesting is, you know, in the CCIW, there's a lot of beating up of each other, but it works out in the SOS because everyone's playing a good schedule. There's a lot of beating up in this Commonwealth. It's not helping their schedule.
12: Well, and they've got... You know, what are they at, at 18 conference games? Or are they still there's 16? So, um,
0: uh, uh, 16 How to do math.
12: And, and, um, when they're all good and they're all competitive, it doesn't matter. I mean, even the CCIW, there's always a couple teams at the bottom that aren't getting many wins. Yeah. You know, a conference like the Commonwealth, when everybody's sort of between, you know, 40% and 60% winning percentage, that really hurts. <laughs>
0: no that's that is that's absolutely the case and by the way arcadia could be the sleeper in this one they've been kind of nipping at the heels for for a few years now
12: yeah and and they're playing really well to start the season um but again you just never know when they start conference play that gauntlet just eats teams up um and you get on a couple you know one bad week and you lose two or three games and and (laughs) you're behind
0: by the way you're right they started the season pretty well these aren't these aren't world-beating names, but think about this: they beat Haverford, who is improving, 79-61. They beat Muhlenberg, 86-58, and a lot of people thought Muhlenberg would have a better team this year. Now that they've lost their, you know, all everybody guy. Long story short, that's more about you know team chemistry. And then they beat Gwinnett Mercy, 90 to 77. Um
12: Gwinnett Mercy, which is a tough place to play. And that's a pretty good team.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- those are some solid starts for Justin Scott and his squad um out of conference they've got SUNY Old Westbury coming up that might be just a good test it's at NYU a little note by the way that is at the Kohl Center Kohl Center hasn't exactly been torn down yet it will be soon (laughs) um they've got a chance to possibly play NYU or somebody else there they're going to play Misericordia that could be an interesting game uh out of conference they also still have Immaculata and Rutgers Newark and DeSales those are some good tests Coming up for Arcadia and in what is and then on Stevenson's side, by the way, you know the really great quirk about them—they play the Hoopsville Classic this weekend. They don't have another home game until January second. Wow. Yeah. the The, the conference schedule is a little bit wacky. There are no games for Stevenson men or women in December, home games. Um, that
12: is. Uh, that could be even more difficult for them to get back on track.
0: Absolutely, and it's not like they're going to ha- not have some tough opponents in conference. Uh, real quick, because uh, I'll call this up before we get there. Um, they will be. At Cabrini after this weekend, they'll be at Messiah, at Lycoming, at Widener. Uh, then before Christmas, they're down in Miami and we'll play Plattsburgh State and Center. Then they're at Christopher Newport where they'll play um, Scranton and then somebody else, whether it be CNU or somebody else, before they get back to conference uh, where they'll take on Albright. So certainly not easy for Stevenson men. Let's, let's shift over to, the, to another conference. Landmark, you talk about Catholic being on top here. They got all but one first-place vote, which... Not so mysteriously went to Goucher. Um, Susquehanna finished second in the coaching votes. Then Scranton. Scranton is off to a 3-0 start, but I haven't heard anybody talk well about that 3-0 start. Catholics 1-0, Juniata and Susquehanna 1-0. Goucher 2-1, Drew 1-1, Merchant Marine, Moravian 1-1, or 0-1, and Elizabethtown 0-3. This conference feels very top-heavy, but there's a lot of people who think this is going to be a dogfight for the playoffs.
12: That's true. And and I do think um I was not really a straight believer at at the beginning of the season and these wins haven't been great wins, but I have seen some stuff from the team that I, I think they are where they want to be, you know. They didn't actually lose as much as it seems like they lost last year because they had some injury problems and um uh, the backcourt's got to get worked out, but they they seem to be developing a really good inside outside game um that I think can can surprise some people and you know, since people aren't expecting a lot of them, it seems like they're in a good position to, to do well.
0: I will say that the minute, that their inside-outside game is their Achilles heel. When it's working, you are right. They are a good team. But if they go away from it, if they can't make it work, or if they don't make sure they get the ball inside when they get onto offense, that's where it falls apart for them. We saw it at the D3 Hoops Classic last year in Vegas. We've seen it in other scenarios. But you're right. If they get that inside-outside game going, they've got some good talent to make it work but what do we make a catholic they do bring everybody back it was funny when the top 25 came out i said jeez number six that's awfully high oh wait that's where i have them on my ballot okay <laughs> um yeah but it it didn't feel like a six team i had to fill in holes somewhere i mean two through ten didn't feel right you know i have to put the 10 team somewhere and it ends up they're the two team but it, is is there all it almost feel like this do you correct me if i'm wrong when catholic has a lot on the on the expectations on the table. That's when they don't seem to live up to them.
12: Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big believer in that from maybe more than year to year. You know, I I don't think that's like something that can translate across the program because there's different players in and out every year. Sure. The one thing I do think this year is that, I mean, Catholic had that big win the first game of the tournament last year, but they weren't expected to be that good. People didn't consider them to be a great team. And so I don't know if it's fair to put number six expectations on them when you're, you know, you're bringing back what might be the you know, 25th or 28th best team in the country to all of a sudden be number six. And so yeah. I, I wonder if it's just those expectations end up higher than we can reasonably expect.
0: Or, it, it, as I said, that, ex- that gap. You know, I had my number one team. It was a slam dunk. It was going to be Augustana. And then I looked at number two and went, hmm, three, hmm, four, hmm. I'm getting all the way down towards 10 going, okay, they feel like a number 10 team. But I have nobody I think better than them. Well, i got to put someone between 2 and 10. Well, if I can't leapfrog here, i got to move everybody up. So my, let's, say, let's say arguably my 8 team, just for better reference. My 8 team becomes my 2. My 9 team becomes my 3. My 10 team becomes my 4. You know what I'm saying? So maybe I've got Catholic in that 10 to 15 range, but by having to move them, they have to go up into the 6 hole. Does that make sense? Like they feel yeah. like a 10 to 15 hole, but nobody behind them feels like they're better than they are.
12: And that's exactly true. I mean, what what the poll had Virginia Wesley in number two, and yeah. that's a good team, but it's not a number two team. No, you know, and and that's just sort of what we're faced with. And I do think Catholic, um, you know, because they've got the national championship in their background, we sort of feel like when they're ranked high, they need to be that justify that ranking. And I don't know that that's at least for this team this year, that's really fair.
0: That's a fair point, though. They do bring back a lot of talent. They got the Fonville twins. One's the offensive guy. One's the defensive guy. Uh, they've certainly got some pieces there. I'd love to see how Coach Howes puts that team together. By the way, it'll be fun to watch the women on the other side. We'll talk about them quickly in a bit. Um, again, Susquehanna, a lot of people think they're going to be a good team. Um, but I think with coaching changes, you are going to have teams like Goucher in the mix that weren't in the mix in the past.
12: Yeah, they're 2-1. and one. They've got some big wins already. You know, that, that maybe that first-place vote wasn't so misplaced.
0: <laughs> well, we all know where it came from. <laughs> right. <laughs> but – the the, without asking by the way but we all know by default where it came from no i think they're in the mix i just 10 straight losing seasons i think it's hard to just plaster them uh, that good but uh by the way last season uh for merchant marine in this conference this is the last season we'll see it as big as it is
12: yeah and uh hopefully they can go out on a good note it's not i mean they played what a d1 school to start out so we don't really know what they're going to look like yet but um It'll be interesting, these
0: changes. Let's switch to the other one that's going to get some headlines. We'll talk about the one that's getting the headlines right now. Wesley, are they big win over Virginia Wesley. They have done that before in their gym against the Marlins. No one saw this one coming. Coaching change for Wesley, seemingly not with the same amount of talent that has kept them as part of the conversation in the past, including national conversation. Virginia Wesley certainly high, but still coming in ranked number two. And Wesley beats him with a last-second shot. You were there, by the uh. way.
12: I I was there. I went to the game uh, sort of expecting a 30-point blowout, quite honestly.
0: uh, (laughs) That's when you brought the snacks and the chips.
12: it was 15, so we seemed well on our way. Um, (laughs) And there were a couple of things that went on there. Wesley had foul trouble. Their two seniors, Wayne Lennon and uh, Anthony Bowers, both had two fouls real quick. So I think they only played combined like nine minutes in the first half. And that definitely hurt, but... um, you know, Virginia Wesleyan just looked off, and it's hard to tell you the first game of the season. You know yeah. where, where they're coming in. Virginia Wesleyan lost a bunch, so they're relying on, on Corey Moore to be more than just a shooter this year, and he's trying to figure that out. Um, you know, but Wesley is good, if they look more like that second half team than the first half, and we just won't know till we get a, a bigger body of work. Yeah. But I have never seen a team go from just straight sloppy to incredibly disciplined as quickly as that team did. I mean, it was turnover everywhere, taking bad shots in the first half. And the second half, they, they went to the rack every time they needed to. They were hitting free throws. They were playing defense. And, I mean, there's talent there. They've got some size. They've got guys who have experience. Some of the young guys, uh, I think it was uh, sophomore point guard, Lawson scored 33. And that first half, he kept them in it. You know, he, he went to the, the hoop every single time was getting the, the fouls and... I mean, we'll have to see if they continue that kind of discipline, but that team is capable of doing some really good things, I think.
0: Um, Kobasa had left in the offseason to become what I believe it was an AD at, a, at, a, um, at basically the local school system, um, and so they have a coaching change there. Granted, they play in a shoebox, um, yeah. and so that's it certainly – a
12: fun atmosphere, though. I hadn't been yeah. there before. And I haven't a, either. That's a fun atmosphere to be in. They filled it up, and it was loud, and, and, and I think that's a benefit, too.
0: But granted, filling it up is about 350 people, um, but I, I, I say that tongue-in-cheek. I've only gotten to the football stadium there. I've not been able to get to a basketball game as of yet, uh, mainly because the size of that court keeps anybody from hosting an NCAA tournament game. Um, but as far as Virginia and I know it's not technically our region, but it's part of the national scope. You know, This is a team that did lose talent, but Dave Macedo loses talent almost every year and has a team that's competing nationally. Is this just a maybe a blip on the radar, or do you think maybe they they're not as good as people
12: thought they were? Well, I know it's I mean, one game with, and all, but with with a coach um like that who's got the experience you know you you know there's going to be changes happening, but what I saw that was sort of troubling in terms of the ranking was just the their interior offense was basically non-existent I mean all the points got scored off open layups when somebody missed an assignment, and when they tried to make a post move, it just wasn't happening, and you know that's not gonna survive in the ODAC if that's the way it stays. Um, the shooting was there and they shot fantastic in the first half and they were playing defense and they were they were tough and in the game, but um, you know, unless they can really improve that interior offense, they're gonna have, have trouble doing as well as they have in the past.
0: Let's switch back to the CAC. So this is going to be an interesting race this year. Salisbury certainly a good team, but the coaches picked Christopher Newport to finish on top. Let's start with Salisbury and, and just the dynamics that have changed. They make the NCAA tournament for the first time in 15-some-odd years. It was late 90s, last time they made the NCAA tournament. Thanks in part to Wyatt Smith. He is not part of the roster this year due to a torn labrum, um, so he's out. They also go through a coaching change. Josh Merkel leaves to go to Randolph-Macon, where he was an assistant coach. Andrew Sachs comes from Bethany and returns to his alma mater uh, to take over the program. They still have a ton of talent, but it's amazing how many people have turned to me and go, oh, Wright's not there. It's almost like everyone thinks it's the right show. When in, so, I think Salisbury's kind of at a precipice. They're either the right show, or they're not, and they're better than people are giving them credit for.
12: Yeah, I, um, and I think should uh, we pointed out with Wyatt Smith um, going out. Uh, they saw the local reporting around here. He's been suffering with a shoulder that pops out on a regular basis since high school, and he's just now gotten bad enough that he needs to get it fixed.
0: I kind of so. know what that's like. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> not fun.
12: No, and they said, I guess it happened twice in one practice. And that's oh. when they decided they needed to get the, uh, the, the surgery the call them Mel Gibson. But I, I, I was count me in that camp. I thought that they would have trouble. You know, they played at, up at Widener yep. in the opening tournament um, with uh, Rowan and Washington College was there at Well, and they did 2-0, and they, they looked good. Um, probably better than I would have expected starting the season with a new coach and sort of their best player not being there. Um, so I, I every team I've seen in this, Conference is what's better than I thought they would, which it just makes for a good season.
0: <laughs> well, and then you've still got Mary Washington, who many think this is going to be the season. Coach Han finally Khan is finally able to put it together. Let's be honest, he came into a program last year somewhat late, hadn't recruited yeah. whatsoever. They lost a ton of talent from a team that made made it to the final eight. No surprise that they struggled last year, but they came on at the end of last season. Um, you got a Marymount squad who's lurking, who seems to be improving. St. Mary's, I just don't know what Coach Um uh, Carney Harney has and doesn't have. They also lost uh, uh Justin's finalist off of that team. Um you know, this is you know, York's certainly shown that they've improved, but this is really maybe about Christopher Newport.
12: Yeah, um it's difficult to to get through this conference as it is they're playing a tough non-conference schedule as it is i think we're going to know a ton about them you know they've got Randolph-Macon on the schedule they've got uh virginia Wesleyan on the schedule they're going to come into the conference tested and ready um and i think this is the year right that they put up or shut up they've been hovering for a yeah. long time as a team that could make that next leap and and this is the chance to do it i think uh we don't know what all the other squads have i think it'll be a strong year but these are the guys that that should be ready to to take
0: over. And granted, this is a big conference, so there's a lot of games in here. And some of them like the Virginia or the Southern Virginias are the ones that are going to hurt. So out of conference scheduling uh, certainly important. Quickly let's jump over to the Centennial. Um, Franklin Marshall certainly getting plenty of attention for for good reason. There's a lot of people who don't think Hopkins will be that bad despite what they lost, but of course Hopkins off to an 0 1 start, uh, losing respectfully, but by 11 to Lynchburg. They'll head out to WashU this weekend and play DePaul, good test, and then either WashU or somebody else. Um, Muhlenberg, people thought, would have an improved season. McDaniel is struggling, even though they're 1 0. I'll, I'll tell you right now, they're going to struggle. Um, you had coaching changes in here as well. And what do you make of the conference?
12: Uh, I. I don't think it'll be nearly as good as it was last year. Um, And that's going to be hard for people, I think. Uh, They really set a high standard last year in terms of of respect that the team's got. And I I feel like, you know, Franklin and Marshall's bringing back just about everybody. But there's some real holes on that team. And they were sort of exposed towards the end of last season. And without addressing them, it's going to be real difficult. I could still see Dickinson winning this, even though they're a lot weaker than, than they were last
0: year well and i think last year we learned that dickinson despite what they've lost can be a good team they were a good team despite what they lost last year i'd like to see if they're going to be a good team despite what they lose this year we'll certainly be talking plenty about this conference as time goes on before we slide in the hoopsville classic though uh quickly to the women's side of things nothing we're not going to go through each conference but the commonwealth wide open landmark probably wide open and deep capital athletic conference wide open and deep
12: yeah, uh, that CAC is just impressive to me. I've been, you know, looking through to prepare for the season to see the schedules they've got and the, the talent coming back. You know, have a team like Salisbury that was fantastic last year. They lost a lot, but they they still have a lot of talent there, and they may be fifth or sixth in this conference.
0: Yeah, that's just amazing to consider. Um, it's going to be wide open. Let's slide over. To, you know, we'll we'll certainly dive into the women's side uh, a little bit later in the season, um, as much as we just did on the men's. Uh, but let's talk about the Hoopsville Classic. You're coming as uh, the D3Hoops.com writer. I want to thank you for doing that. Uh, but this will be your third. You you end up just coming because you enjoy coming to the games. Uh, what do you expect of, of this season's matchups?
12: Well, I think uh, I know there's probably some politics in there figuring out who plays who through this whole event. But I think the Friday games look to just be uh, fantastic stories. You know, um, you have the teams coming into sales in St. John Fisher that sort of aren't the big names. But I think they're very comparable teams, and I feel like that's going to be a good game that I'm looking forward to. You know, a team like Emory, who lost a lot from last year, but people still have ranked pretty highly, and they're out of region, so I don't ever get to see them. That's exciting to do. And then, you know, the teams that have, you know, we never get to see St. Thomas on this side of the country, and they're going to be around. Um, just, just being able to get uh, a larger glimpse of what's happening and to be able to compare the teams I get to see in person with teams that are playing in other parts of the country um, I'm excited to be there, and I think this is just a great lineup. Uh, I know we'd rather have, you know, 10 teams than eight, but I think the two-day setup makes it a little easier for us to see everybody. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, 10 teams when it's the right 10 teams. It doesn't have to be 10 teams. We're at eight (laughs) this year. We could have easily gone to 10, but it didn't necessarily mean we were going to make the tournament better.
7: Um, Right.
12: The one, the one other thing I did mention, I have to mention, is the Southern Vermont. I went to a small New England college that doesn't get a lot of respect, and so it's nice that these, this team that sort of missed out last year by losing their conference tournament has a chance to maybe put up a couple wins um, outside a conference against teams people recognize and, and help their chance to get noticed this year.
0: Well, that's the whole uh, point. I mean, they, they are on the cusp of that. They only had, what, three losses last season, of course, in a very weak conference. They have a lot of recruits out of dc too so i figured we'd get at least a decent crowd uh, so that looking yeah. forward to that of course to sale st john fisher starts it off at two o'clock on friday southern vermont then salisbury at four dickinson stevenson at six st thomas emory at eight by the way it's funny that stevenson's playing dickinson i talked to gary stewart about that and i said you know that's a game you can schedule anytime not that i'm opposed to it i like the game i'm just saying you know you can schedule that anytime he wants but then we looked at the rest of his schedule and i realized by him playing dickinson He ends up playing six or eight really good conferences in some capacity. He's tapped into the UAA. He's tapped into the Centennial. He's gotten into the Capital Athletic Conference. He's into the Landmark Conference. Um, He's going to be, I think, tapped into the ODAC in some capacity. Um, He taps into the CSAC. He ends up tapping eight different conferences, I want to say, off the top of my head. And so this was definitely planned on his part and not a bad idea because when it comes to regional rankings, this game is going to be big. Um, and then we have Tom, St. Thomas and Emory at 8 o'clock on Friday. Saturday, DeSales-Salisbury, St. John Fisher-Dickinson, Southern Vermont-St. Thomas. And I told Coach at Southern Vermont, I said, Dan, I'm going to tell you right now. You come to this tournament, I'm giving you the best you, I have. If I can do it, I'm giving you the best I have. They get St. Thomas. And then Emory versus yeah. Stevenson. Um, you've been to this the last few years, and I'm just kind of curious your take on 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 what you've seen for brand of basketball? Not in the sense of, hey, sell me the tournament. I'm talking about you get to see a lot of Division three basketball the best way you possibly can. What do you see at the Hoopsville Classic?
12: Well, I mean, you see good teams. Um, <laughs> and it's teams playing different styles than they're used to. Uh, it's Teams from other parts of the country are seeing a different sort of uh, uh, officiating style than they're used to seeing. Um, I'm trying to remember which team. I guess it was Chicago... And I, they played either Gwyneth Mercy or Cabrini last year, and just to see even the looks on the faces of the kids the first two minutes that this team does not play like any team in my area that I you know nobody in my conference plays the way this team does. Yeah. And and to just get that experience for these teams that want to step up to the next level and and get into the tournament, it's really tournament experience. Whether the team they're playing is a tournament caliber team, there's a lot of of, of you know postseason tournament experience that they're getting in
0: this tournament. Well, and it's amazing how many coaches will say to me, I can I can tap into this come March, which blows me away. I mean, it's what f- five, 4 or 5 months later, but they can say, "No, I can tap into this in March." I can turn to the team and go, "Hey, remember that Cabrini squad we played? Yeah, this is similar style." Oh, light goes on and they're good to go. Um, by the way, it just kind of dawned on me um, seven of these eight teams have not played in the Hoopsville Classic before. So obviously, Sauls Stevenson is the eighth. Um, um, Salisbury
12: was there a couple years ago. Um, no. Yeah, because this this class was freshman. I was really impressed by them. Oh, you, and you I know, kind yeah, yeah, yeah. them through.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. See, that's my own brain right there. Just not working. <laughs> Um, so I just
12: remember because that's one, That's another thing you get at this tournament is Salisbury got crushed in both games that year. No, Salisbury's so they were never – yep, yep, 2013. Freshmen sophomores. Yeah. They were playing mostly freshmen and sophomores, and I was really impressed with the squad they had together. And so when they made the run last year and the way they're doing this year, it's not a surprise at all to me because you got to see them in that kind of environment that, yeah. that just sort of proves what they can do.
0: Um, you'll be obviously doing a lot of writing, looking forward to having that, uh, anything that you kind of, I know writers don't want to necessarily have a goal or a mission coming in, but what do you think your, your point of view is going to be coming into the, to the, to the articles?
12: Well, I know I've already betrayed my bias a little bit with the small school thing. I want to, I want to, <laughs> if they prove themselves, highlight yes. Southern Vermont a little bit
7: sure. and
12: what they're looking to do. Um, I also, the other one is Emory. Um, cause I really do think being in the South, being in Georgia, it's isolated, and people don't know a lot about that Emory squad. And, uh, you know, it seemed like they lost an insurmountable amount of talent last year. But they're they, they're bringing back a uh, good team and they're playing well. And, and I think that's another story, maybe nationally, that they don't get as much coverage otherwise. Those are the two I'm looking at. But you got so many. St. John Fisher lost a ton of kids, but they got another ton of seniors this yeah. year. You know, Dickinson's revamping their...
0: Ryan, did we lose you?
12: With the potential that Hennenkamp uh, has in terms of scoring, uh, now that he's going to be their primary yeah. you know, scorer, it's. It, I I think he's got a really high ceiling for what he can do, and I'm, uh, I think that's a good story as well.
0: Lost Ryan there for a moment, but you still got the gist of what he was saying. We didn't lose anything in context. Um, and, by the way, DeSales winning his program in this region coming in since 2000. No one realizes that. Um, we got that St. John Fisher Dickinson matchup. I wanted that because that was a potential Elite eight game last year. Um, had they both, and they had both had close games against Virginia Wesleyan, uh, and Randolph Macon. Um, and I just love the idea of St. Thomas and Emory. That's another one of those sneaky NCAA tournament games. That's the game that looked like it was going to line up several times last two years and never happened. Uh, because one or both of them lost somewhere along the way. Uh, so that's my sneaky game uh, in the scheduling. Well, hey, I appreciate it. I took a ton of time, so I appreciate it nonetheless. And we're well into overtime, so I'm going to wrap things up. I know we'll talk to you plenty uh, this weekend as well, but as always, we give the guests a final word. Any final thoughts you have on this Mid-Atlantic region or Hoopsville Classic you want to share with those tuning in?
12: I'll just say to to get out and support the, the teams and the tournaments that come nearby, um, it really is a great opportunity to you know get to meet and talk to some of the players even because they sit around and watch the games afterwards and um get get more of a feel for these teams um you know i have no connection to dickinson at all but i got to see him a bunch last year and uh it's really a positive for those kids to know people are watching and and uh, for d3 in general to have more people out
0: absolutely agree with you looking forward to seeing you here uh in a day uh believe it or not we'll see you tomorrow uh at at stevenson thanks so much for tuning in or joining me and I'll, i'll talk to you soon
12: all right, thank
0: you very much. Ryan Scott joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to do that. Yeah, we're well into this show. We knew it was going to be a long show nonetheless, but we are well into it. So we're going to ra- get going here and come back for a quick wrap-up of Hoopsville. If you've got any questions for us, uh, we'll try and answer them at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. we wrap up Hoopsville right after this.
11: I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. A very long, extended show. We told you we'd go three hours. We weren't kidding, were we? Um, I want to thank all of our guests. Tons to talk about. Uh, Women's Committee, Carrie Carollo from uh, Wisconsin-Whitewater. Of course, talked about her team and in the in the WIAC and such, but fascinating insight from her on the, on the, on the committee. Uh, why they're against releasing the regional rankings. Listen, I'm at the end, the final ones. I'm not necessarily in agreement with her. I disagree. Uh, I think there should be plenty of transparency. But you heard what her their reason was. It's the first time I've heard it used, first time I've heard someone say that the results versus regionally ranked opponents data being so over you know changing constantly, especially in those last rankings, that they don't want to release it. Uh, you heard my argument if you heard the interview. If not, rewind. Uh, their segment takes place around the 15, 20-minute mark. That's where it starts in the show. I think it solves the questions. I think it doesn't have anybody ask questions about it. I think, for me, it seems a bit like a no-brainer. But uh, I have toyed with the idea of finding out more about committees in Division Three and what they feel or what they think about releasing the last bit of data or releasing the last bit of regional rankings. Uh, we'll see if we move forward on that project. There's a lot of projects that I have on my plate, to be completely honest. But we'll see what we have, uh, and we'll go from there. So, we'll see uh, if we learn more about that. Personally, again, release it. Uh, I I don't understand. There's no rhyme or reason in my world. You don't release that information. Uh, I I think it answers questions. It doesn't leave any more. Um, it, but but again, each committee has their reasons for it and we're not you know i can't sit here and just you know tell them to do it it's up to them it's a majority rule there we know some who like doing it and we and we know some who just don't we obviously know that so but i want to thank carrie for coming on we'll certainly talk to her more in the future but we'll and we'll reference this interview for you down the road as well Uh, i want to thank um uh, joe cassidy from rowan great conversation with him want to thank john janini Former Division Three player and coach at LaSalle. Uh, talking about a terrific game, LaSalle at Rowan on November 28th. Seriously, last time you remember a Division One team going to a Division Three team? I don't remember the last time that happened when you don't count exhibitions or scrimmages. I've seen it happen in those scenarios. And, you know, scrimmages especially when you play like three halves and you do some crazy things. But first time a real game. It counts for both teams, so looking forward to that. I may or may not be able to get to that. I'm toying with the idea. We'll, we'll take it into consideration, as it were. Um, and then thank Gary Stewart from Stevenson, talking about his tough start at 0-2. We haven't looked at the archives to see if he's the first 0-2 coach to be on the show, um, but I want to thank him for, for coming on and, of course, talking about the Hoopsville Classic. Um, certainly a, a big deal starting tomorrow. Two, four, six, and eight are the game times both days. And every game's fascinating. It really is. Looking forward to it uh, starting tomorrow. Um, just so you know, we'll have some old fami- coaches on call. And not old, not that they're old, but I mean old names. Uh, John Zeke from Cabrini, Jeff Gamber from New York will help call games. Frank Rossi's going to do the heavy lifting tomorrow, and I'll do semi heavy lifting on Saturday, uh, again, the Stevenson video crew will do an outstanding job and we will provide audio content Sunday show again will not be on the air because we will be doing uh, all these interviews during the weekend. And so those will fill in and, and, and kind of play the role of um, of Hoopsville for this Sunday. And then we're off for 10 days here. So we'll be back on November 29th. Um, a couple notes that we didn't get to at the beginning. I wanted to bring up. Um, I didn't get to a couple things. First and foremost, a reminder again about the Hoopsville Classic. Seven dollars uh, gets you in for a day. So if you really want to see four games for seven bucks, that ain't a bad deal. Um, they're all at Stevenson University in Owings Mills, Maryland. Um, I want to thank, Uh, congratulate Scott Koval, who will see at the D3Hoops.com or at the Hoopsville Classic. I'm sorry. Um, coming up, uh, he just won his 400th victory as a coach. He'll try for 401 and 402 here on Friday and Saturday. Look forward to chatting with him, but formal congratulations nonetheless here tonight. Um, milestones we'll talk about. Congratulations to our good friend, uh, Bob Quillman, celebrating his birthday here tonight. Uh, we certainly hope uh, maybe he's catching the show because really, honestly, if, if, if Titan Q is a true fan of the show, he's watching it on his birthday. Is he not? Okay, maybe not. But nonetheless, uh, we hope he uh, had a good birthday. Probably hear from him at some point down the road. Uh, obviously, he's a big Illinois Wesleyan fan, but he's a good fan of Division Three as well. Checking out some scores from around Division Three of note. Nothing major. Um, Worcester was in action, number 20 on the men's side. Played Silver Lake for some reason and beat them 89-48. Not sure why Worcester schedules that, but who knows. Uh, Southwestern and Harden Simmons, last we checked, were in a good little battle. Uh, Those are two teams you want to keep an eye on down there in Texas, especially Harden-Simmons. And right now, Southwestern leads Harden-Simmons, 78-74. So mild upset in the works there on the men's basketball side with 21 seconds left. Of course, if you listen to the podcast, this game is over. Um, But nonetheless, um, nothing else jumping out at me necessarily. Elms handled Springfield. I think that's the score there's a little surprising. We knew Springfield lost a bit. This season but Elms beat him 81 66. I didn't see a 15 point win coming there. I know Elms is improving in Springfield like we said lost some but wow. Big score difference there and I'd love to know what's going on in that game. Um, MIT uh, beat Gordon Hanley I guess no surprise there. Um, I know Lawrence was playing. Principia, looks like uh, Loris is leading by three in that game. Uh, Let's call it seven minutes left. Listen, if you tweet games, just my own point of view, uh, it's helpful to add some basic information on every tweet. First off, who's playing? Second of all, time. Um... One of these tweets says the team leads the team. I'm just keeping it blank. 45-42 with nine minutes left to play. And then it's got a hashtag that's ESPN in the sense of using initials and, and shortcuts for names with a versus in the middle. And unless it's a big game, I think that's irrelevant. It's very short-lived. But nonetheless, there's no other information. Because uh, a few minutes later, it says the mascot lead 50-47 and call timeout. No time no opponent not even a half in case you're not even sure what time of the game is hey some basic stuff here goucher leads stevenson 50 to 47 nine minutes left to go second half gophers called timeout that's all we need that's perfect thank you and then throw all your hashtags in there like d3h sorry got off on a little rampage there uh ramapo played a game today uh we'll keep an eye on them because our good friends will be coming to uh uh, the d3hoops.com classic. By the way, if you're on the podcast, we now have an official score for you. Southwestern with a win over Harden Simmons, 80-74. to That one's an interesting one. Harden Simmons sh- should be a good team this year. Uh, they just lost to Southwestern, who I, you know, is improving, but I wouldn't say is a world-beater. Remember, Harden Simmons was 20-7 and last season. And Hardin Simmons has barely got past Schreiner 76-70, and they got Trinity Texas ahead, but they've now lost to Southwestern. Southwestern last season was 15 and 11, certainly improved off of the year before, which was 8 and 18. But this isn't a program that's necessarily in the high uh, in the uh, conversation all the time. So an interesting win there by Southwestern. Congratulations to them. Um, Ramapo defeated Farmingdale State barely 83-81, but we love keeping a track on Ramapo because they're Good friends of ours. Um, center beat Franklin. So that's some interesting scores in men's basketball. Nothing earth-shattering tonight. In women's basketball, number 23, Luther, is in action, though we don't have any links as to what's going on in that game. Just checking out some scores on the Twitters as well. Um, looking through, I don't see anything else. Necessarily jumping out at me though. Ava Maria beat Emerson 59 42 and non-division three Ava Maria. So um, Yeah, nothing well, Moravian beat Immaculata 97 57 Wow talk about a point spread in that one. Moravian's gonna be good. I think This season I think people might underestimate them Yeah, but nothing else really of earth shattering news there uh, don't forget to go to D3Hoops.com for a bunch of information and news and stories. We now have eight regional reporters. We we used to in the past. Kind of fell off to four that would cover two regions. You know, we're back to eight. Um, um, I'm thrilled to see that. Um, back to eight. So check out D3Hoops.com for the expansion of our coverages with Around the Region's reports and, of course, Around the Nation as well. That is a uh, fun to get little stories. Oh, you know what story we did not talk about at the beginning of the, of the day? And we should have. Um, Sydney Moss currently is not playing for Thomas Moore, and it's not injury related. Um, here's a statement from the school. The college's decision to withhold Sydney from competition at this time should no way be construed as an indication of an NCAA rules violation by Sydney. The college is unable to further comment on this matter during the period of the review. We look forward to publicly discussing the matter at the conclusion of the review. There's something up. Uh, that's about all I can tell you. There's a compliance issue or a compliance review that's, that's pending. Um, now, they won their first game, 62-48. They have a 34-game winning streak. But Sydney's not playing. Now, remember, we had Coach Hans on the show last week, a week ago tonight. Certainly didn't get any indication from him anything was amiss. Now, granted, we didn't ask. We didn't think anything was amiss. But he didn't seem to indicate anything was missed, didn't seem to hesitate. So I don't know if this is literally brand new or if it's been brewing for a while. The one thing I know from that release is we're not going to get any information from anybody at any time soon. Um, but Sydney Moss not playing is of note. We'll keep an eye on that for the number one team of defending national champs. Remember, she transferred from Division I um, Florida after her freshman year, transferred to Thomas More. Did not have to sit out because you're transferring down. You do not have to trans or sit. This is her third year at Thomas More, fourth overall. If you think there was a problem with with the Florida scenario, that would have already come up. So I really don't think this has to do anything with her transferring from Florida. This probably is more recent. Uh, this is going to fall under the. This is going to either be maybe not taking enough credits by accident not sure um it could it could be based on um not benefits i mean division 3 it's weird to talk about benefits but maybe something's amiss and i i certainly don't want to say i know what it is or, or or speculate but this is just a little odd especially in division 3 they're doing the smart thing though they're holding her out immediately so they they haven't played a game with her in so they don't risk forfeiting any games here um At least this season we we hope this doesn't backtrack to last season but if we're only talking this season they're not in any danger of doing that but will sydney moss play this year wonder what is going on keep an eye on that certainly and of course follow d3hoops.com for the latest on that um also of note if you get sports illustrated big article in there about caltech yeah you heard me right big article Heard it was about a. I haven't read my Sports Illustrated. It either didn't arrive today, or or I just haven't pulled it out of the bag or out of the mailbox yet. Uh, I heard it was a 45 word article that came out in this week's edition. Um, there's a longer, double the size version coming out next week apparently online. 8,500 words. This is being written by. Um, oh, If you give me a moment, I can tell you who it's being written by. Chris Ballard. You'll know, pretty headsy basketball writer for SI. Um, it's in there. It's in there. The edition that came out today. So keep an eye out for that. And again, in a longer version on Tuesday. We will have Caltech and, and their men's basketball coach on, the sh- on a future Hoopsville show in December, working out details right now, working out exactly what we'll talk about on the show. Um, but remember, they got a win over Occidental to start the season. Now that they they schedule Occidental for an extra game, it's not a conference game. I may have misspoke on a previous show indicating they're on top of the Skyac, and if I did, I apologize. Misspoke about that completely. This is outside conference game. They actually play a third game against Ox, Oxy. Um, what was it the is it the one ten? I think they're on opposite on the other side of each other from, so it's a battle of the one ten. Um, and so. Big article there. They're winning more games. They're, they're turning things around. We talked to Coach Oliver a few years ago about coming from MIT and trying to take the model that is working at MIT and bringing it to Caltech. I think this is what we're seeing there. So great article in Cal and uh, SI about that. Check it out if you get the chance. Of course, online version, uh, much longer version, uh, reportedly coming out next week. Uh, looking forward to both versions, obviously. Uh, that's going to do it. Again, remind you if you're within driving distance of the Hoopsville Classic, please come out and check it out Friday and Saturday. Um, it, there's uh, two, four, six, and eight are your game times. Uh, last year we had a football game going on, ECAC game at the same time. That will not take place this year. Stevenson football team on the road for the Max Centennial Battle. They're going to be uh, at Muhlenberg. Um, but you know, come and check it out. Uh, it, it is going to be great basketball. If you can't check it out online, then at least. Um, the, it's going to be good basketball, plain and simple. We know it's going to be good basketball. So looking forward to that. Um, that's going to do it for us. Again, I want to thank Carrie Carollo from uh, Wisconsin Whitewater and the National Committee, uh, uh, Women's Basketball Committee, for coming on the show and talking so in-depth about the committee and what's going on. We will reference that interview as the season progresses. I want to thank uh, Joe Cassidy from Rowan and John Janini from LaSalle um, talking about that big game coming up on the 28th between LaSalle at Rowan. Uh, of course, LaSalle being Division One. I want to thank Gary Stewart for taking the time to talk to me about the Hoopsville Classic and his squad as well. Uh, of course, Ryan Scott for talking Mid-Atlantic basketball. I want to thank you for tuning in as well. And, of course, I want to thank, again, the NABC. Once again, uh, re-upping their commitment to the show uh, and our partnership. Uh, they're going to help us travel this year. We're really looking forward to that. We're going to maybe get about two trips in, maybe a third if we're lucky, depending on how the calendar looks. Uh, before the NCAA tournaments, but definitely looking forward to that. I um, want to thank them for their help. Again, we will not be on the air Sunday. However, we will bundle up the coaches' interviews that we will conduct on Sunday and have them available for you uh, as as is a replacement for that show. Uh, we will post them throughout the weekend, but we will formally put them out in a in a full page on Sunday. Um, also, um, we will then be back on the air November twenty ninth. So we're so this gives us a chance to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. We certainly hope everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving this year um, and a safe one as well. Again, our hearts and uh, minds are with Washington College. School has been shut down all week. It will be stay shut down through the Thanksgiving break. A missing student, sophomore, um, apparently poses a threat, and so they've shut down the campus. Teams will play at least on Saturday. Men's basketball will. We'll find out at the doubleheader. Uh, Centennial game against Haverford will take place next week. We'll keep you abreast of that. But, again, hearts and thoughts with with those at Washington College on the Eastern Shore of Maryland with what they are going through. And that should do it. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget it. You can always follow us and ask us questions on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you uh, enjoy the show, and we will see you, uh, if not at the Hoopsville Classic, we'll see you on a future show here. Oh, one last bit of good news. If you're a podcast fan, iTunes now officially has the Hoopsville Podcast.
7: Just look for the links on the show page. With that, good night, everybody.